The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydicat, and you can find me at uh, Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter and CB Caps on Instagram. With Columbia down the way. And. The sound effect you've just heard comes from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Hmm. And as Roddy Cat likes to joke, I've got plenty to choose from. Uh, apparently also, um, which I forgot to mention to him before starting that he's, uh, recording live location from the Continental's, uh, switchboard room. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every once in a while, it's time for a virtual background. Exactly. Exactly. Which I, I just watched, um, uh, uh, John Wick last night with a friend of mine who had never seen it before and they enjoyed the it. John Wick? Yeah. Oh wow! Because I know you still are, are you still haven't gotten to three. That's correct. Gotcha. But you did a John for a John Wick one rewatch. That's cool. I haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you haven't seen this, and you know, and I felt so bad because of that one part in the beginning, you know, with with you know the the catalyst of the situation, right? <laughs> and and they were like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. And I wanted to say, don't get too attached. <laughs> <laughs> and when. And uh, yeah, that 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 messed him up. <laughs> that messed her up. <laughs> that was pretty pretty rough. So you know, funny. I winced. You know, yeah, I did not happen to. And and, and you know, we'll, we'll get back to the uh, the rest of the beginning of the show, folks. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you that I was not one of those folks that went to see John Wick in the theaters. Same. But um, I tell you that a lot of people were passing that movie around via not the most legal means. Because of the word of mouth that the movie generated. Yeah. And I'll tell you that, you know, I definitely watched that a bunch of times through other means. And then when it finally came out on home video, I bought it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they got my money. Indeed. Yeah. And I think when I bought it on, uh, when I bought it on, um, uh, when I bought it on Blu-ray, that's the when I first watched it myself. So I was like, eh. Um, but yeah, I yeah yeah that was it was it was um it was fun watching that, seeing their reaction to the first one, and uh, I don't know, I, I assume we're gonna do the the next two. Um, good, good. 
it. I was about to say, I'm glad that you're getting to uh, you're, you're getting to the watch for number three. Right. And yeah, just watching it with somebody who's never seen it before um, is, is kind of music. You kind of want to say so much and you know, and you don't. And you're like, nope, oh. shut up, shut up. <laughs> like being, a, I was about to say, it's, a, it's almost like being a Marvel fan watching these movies. Like you don't necessarily want to be that person who's just like, well, in the comics, you know, you know, and in, in, in a similar vein, like, well, this is what's going to happen and this is why it's happening. And guess guess what? There's actually a comic that's in canon that has John Wick in Mexico. And I, I did actually mention that part. Mm-hmm. I did actually mention that part. Wait, so, but anyway, moving but anyway, on. We, yeah. So, but getting back to the meat of the, 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 the meat of this. Uh, so, yes, this is Comic Chronicles and you can find said uh, program on CSPN.us. Do it today. That is the Coastal of the Podcast Network, if you did not know. And you could also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Actually, I totally, speaking of virtual backgrounds, I totally forgot to change mine, but that's cool. Um... I didn't mention it. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. That's fine. It's Animal Crossing. I love my island, so it's all good. Um, and also, uh, you can find this program. Uh, well, you can find us here every Thursday night nine. So, well, we usually start like nine thirty p.m. But lately, we've been kind of getting a little late starts for some reason or another. Uh, but normally at nine thirty ish p.m. on either uh the vclick nation's uh youtube channel or twitch.tv slash combo chronicles all one word and i was gonna say that it's not all it's often not because we're logging on late which right is the funny yeah thing. yeah we usually right we usually like here and on and talking around nine o'clock it's just that we're doing other things when and shout out to um shout out to the folks that are in the chat right now shout out to my boy rock jones uh, who's who's in the chat with the snacks on Twitch? You know, and you can join us here on 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 um you know we're recording live if you so choose. But you can also find this obviously after the fact, uh, whether on audio or video in both places and uh, and audio in the places we talked about. So, folks, we are going to get into some comic books, uh, and we are going to start off with, I believe we said Black Cat number six. That's right. And if you want Nine to lives, that... short days, long nights, folks. Um, Shout out to Janet Jackson. That's right, Miss Janet, if you're nasty. Uh, written, this issue is written by Jed McKay with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferran Delgado. This is the first issue in the... Uh, Actually, it's the second issue. I apologize. It's the second issue of the Gilded City arc that uh, is the culmination of the opening. Uh, well, basically, the uh, the first volume, the, the most recent volume of Black Cat, and then it was interrupted by King and Black. So now it's been uh, continued in this current volume, and this Gilded City uh, arc is the culmination of the story that spans these two. Um, volumes of black cat which involves black cat uh and her little crew uh performing heists over the course of several story arcs involving several superhero uh, involving uh uh, bur- uh 
heisting things and and burg and and, and burglaring um or burgling actually I think is the word yeah basically um, burgling yeah burgling is I think the correct word um burgling uh several high profile uh technology uh, uh purveyors in the Marvel universe aka Rand Industries and and Stark Industries uh, or Stark Technologies. I forget what Stark is called nowadays. Yeah, um, yeah pretty much all of the high-profile places in the Marvel Universe. Most of them, in, including the Sanctum, Sanctorum, sure. uh, uh, Four Years and of Magic Street. as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- with that being said, now we see what all that was about. Uh, you know, we, we saw what what, what that what the uh, the string of heist was all connected by. Uh, in the previous issue and now we start to see some of the ramifications of the decisions that uh the black fox uh uh uh, has made and some of the agreements that he's uh, agreed to and uh seemingly to you know is uh, seeming seemingly to felicia's benefit as well but she doesn't exactly see it the way he does right which, as we talked before the show, slightly surprising on her part because if you've known anything about the Black Fox, this is kind of this is kind of his thing. Like, yeah, if he's gonna do a thing, if he's gonna, you know, his heights are, are pretty self-serving for the most part throughout his whole career, and this one is no different. Now, the fact that he trained Felicia and uh, and still kind of left her out the loop, you know, treat her basically like a daughter, but still um, kind of left her out the loop out of the loop on this one in certain respects still kind of bears that out. Uh, but even in that, her response to it was kind of a surprise uh, as to what ended up being, uh, com- what ended up coming out of this. Cause you wouldn't, right. you wouldn't have thought she would have cared as much for, you know, uh, for the situation or, or about the situation as long as, you know, she got something out of it, which she did. Exactly. Exactly, but you know, you know, and obviously we've seen some of the, uh, some of the precedent being set, some of the the foundation for this particular reaction being set throughout this series, the how, how they've developed her character since, uh, uh, since she stopped being uh, the kingpin of crime in New York, you know, in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, even in this issue where. Uh, the crew and the black cat find themselves above ground and they run into Spider-Man. And there are some thought bubbles here. Uh, some, some, some thought, bu- not thought, bu- they're, they're not thought bu- balloons or bubbles in the traditional sense, but they're, uh, they're in their internal, uh, thoughts and narration where, you know, you can see that, uh, Felicia Hardy is, you know, unfortunately having to, uh, act the way she does. And she, she definitely doesn't like it. So, right. you know, and I'm, I'm I'm dancing around what uh what actually happens here because we're not looking to try to spoil right this issue and last issue or but... well I mean last issue at this point is probably fair game uh but yeah and we kind of went over the final point so it's fine that we don't necessarily get into the whole right. thing if I would say that and we've been saying this for the majority of the time in reading Black Cat. Like, it's an enjoyable read, and you should definitely check it out. Right. And the characters, I think, have have, have undergone pretty good arcs. You know, her crew definitely have have, have uh, enjoyed their own character development yeah. arcs over the course of these two volumes. I think that 
um, as, as, as uh, we were saying, actually, we, we kind of touched upon this earlier, but we didn't really um, go into as much depth as we had gone uh, offline just prior to the show starting. What I was what, what I was getting at is every thief that I've seen portrayed tends to have a line that they don't cross when it comes to what they're willing to steal. Right. And we see here that uh, Felicia Hardy has a line, and obviously it's a very high line. You know, she's willing to steal a lot of things. And has. Right, and has. But there's uh, when it comes to the, the principle of this particular uh, item, you know, she, she, she seems to have drawn a personal line, whereas the Black Fox is, you know, as Roddy Cat mentioned, uh, and, and, and is very clear about is that the Black Fox is definitely self-serving, definitely um, focused upon his own well-being and, uh, you know, everything else and everyone else be damned other than maybe Felicia. Exactly. Um, actually, one other thing of note uh, before we move on in this issue, uh, and I think I have it in my notes. I do have it in my notes. Um, so Spider-Man shows up. Uh, after things start popping off, uh, <laughs> and I don't know how he knew where she was, or just how happened to just so happened to be close enough to where that's against, but you know, comic books, you know, things happen like that. And he pretty much asked her, like, uh, do you know what's going on? Do you, do you have anything to do, do with this? And she straight up lied to his face. Um, and he believed her. Now, anyone who knows the relationship between Spidey and Felicia should know. He should not trust her just that easily and quickly, but he but he does, and she and, and it even is remarked uh, in the, um, in that part of the the issue, right? And you know, and 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 that's one of the things I was referring to is that she feels terrible about, right? And part of me understands why he does he why he's quick to believe her because it seems like this would be so far out of her normal scope of activity. Right, that, and we know he's gullible when it starts when it's when it comes to certain people. Oh, definitely, definitely. But in terms of just like the logic of it, right. like the you know the, you know this particular uh, happening is definitely magic related. You know, like it, it seems magic or extraterrestrial. Uh, right. uh, you know, and that stuff of that nature is almost even to the to the lay reader. That's just not up black cat's alley so i I sympathize with spidey in that's in that case true and given the the couple of relatively big events you know that have been going on actually in his book and just at large in the universe yeah it's it's easy enough to be like okay this is this is another one of those let me go find the avengers or somebody (laughs) exactly he's looking for reed actually yeah he's looking for reed yeah 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 so oh that's reminded me something i hope i remember later on when we talk about a, a thing uh, but that being said, that was Black Cat number six. Uh, enjoyable read. That was it's usually a potential click of the week uh, for either one or both of the both of us. Um, mm-hmm. I dare say this one it, it still qualifies in this case for me anyway. It, I can say it's good. It's it, what it is is that we're spoiled by its consistent, you know, level of achievement every month. It, Jed McKay. And whichever artist he's able to get on these books, and and you can tell that for the most part they are servicing this book with a good, you know, with good with with good uh, artists, with a good roster of artists. Right, and as we said uh, when the book 
when Black Hat just first started, like we don't know where they're going to take her, what how they're gonna treat her, what they're gonna do with her, but they've worked it out. They did, you know, they worked it out surprisingly well, and and it kind of makes you want to go back to it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right. Next up, what's next? Hmm. I don't have the will this week. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't fill out the will this week, uh, folks. So, uh, no wheel. No wheel of comicality. Oh no! Wheel yeah. of comic. Oh, is that what we're calling it? Wheel of comicality. Nah, I just. Terms? I just. I just threw that out there. I don't know. We, we. We never. We haven't come down on a name for it. So, maybe next I week we'll be back though. I got you. All right. Let me see what you read. See what we have in common. We got a few. Um, how about we do? You know, how about we do Guardians of the Galaxy? Because we were just talking about that. Yes, let's. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 14, written by Al Ewing, with art by Juan Frigeri, um, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VC Corey Pettit. So, if anyone was wondering, if anyone was wondering, how on earth a particular Latvian monarch decided to to uh, cross paths with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Guess what? You find out in this issue. Yes, and it's dare I say halfway plausible. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Doom would, you know, Doom with his resources and n- not the first time this has happened would be able to figure out, hey, there's something that's about to that's about to go down. So he just so happened. Now space is big, and how he happened to find the Guardians at this point, we it's irrelevant. But I guess you know he, right. he's also he, doomed. So yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? You, you, exactly. You just sort of chalk that one up to you know what? That's Victor being Victor. Right. And uh, you know what's funny is that Victor. Uh, you know it, it's obviously there are Doom bots. I don't think this is a Doom bot because of the things that happen in this issue. But, uh, and he doesn't necessarily have to be in two places at once for the things that are happening somewhat concurrently in the Fantastic Four. And I'm glad you bring in that because I think we're going to touch on that when we get to Fantastic Four because I believe there is a throwaway line in that issue that kind of bears about what you just said. Exactly. So I think that uh, ultimately, um, you know, we, we do have some connective tissue between this and what happens in this month's issue of fantastic four. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but getting back to this guardians issue. So we do find out how on earth doom finds his way to, um, uh, uh, as I said, crossing paths with the guardians and they, they don't exactly get along right away. Uh, and and, uh, uh, it involves Doom trying to take the uh, uh, what is the name of the sword? Space sword. The what? The space sword. I think he. Called, I think it's called the sword of space and time or something like that. Yeah. But I just call it space sword. Sword. Yeah, the sword of space. Yeah. It's the sword of space, which only a king may wield. Right, right, right. Which looks like when, so, when I first saw it in this issue, I was like, wait, why does he have the ebony blade? Oh wait. <laughs> oh right, I forgot. Teddy has a. Teddy also has a sword. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so it is the space sword, and um, hijinks ensue because of uh, the the guardians not, you know, obviously for for very good reasons, not trusting Victor Von Doom, 
And Vic pulls out a trick, an old, old, like Al Ewing pulling out, like digging through the FF archives. Which he tends like, to do. Doing, I'm doing like the, I'm doing like the, 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 the grave digger, you know, ditch digger motion. But really, what he's doing is, you know, going through the files. I mean, like, oh, back issue. This issue has this particular um, uh, ability that. Uh, dr doom possesses you know how he gains it and what he does with it and he pulls it out and i'm like wow i was absolutely floored by the fact that al ewing dug this up and used it in this particular um instance and in this situation and as we were talking before the show also harkens to uh an old dragon ball z uh trick also that uh as i said was pretty much used in a similar in a same similar mar- manner uh than it did in Dragon Ball Z and as, as it does here and also you know when Doom first used it way long time ago exactly and anyone who is familiar with Dragon Ball Z which is me now um <laughs> I'm newly familiar as we as we've been talking about over the last several weeks um the 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 mild spoiler here is if you know, if you're familiar with uh, Dragon Ball Z, is change. <laughs> That's yes. what I'll leave you with. Yes, Victor is now part of the Ginyu Force. Congrats. He is, uh, he is hell, Captain. With the, with, the full, with, the, with the pose, too. Because mm-hmm. he does strike a pose at the beginning of the issue. He very much does. Um, and I was about to go back and say, to be fair, the, the Guardians don't have any reason to, to trust Victor because he attacked them right off the like, like you know, just out of nowhere. Exactly. Um, and even going into half of this issue, uh, come to think of it. So I was like, no, you're still doing it in, in using that chain, you know, using the, um, using that ability and whatnot. And like, you know, if you just wanted to, you know, one, let folks know what's going, you know, like, I get it. You're doomed. You're going to, you're going to be like, nope, I'm the only one who could do whatever, whatever I can, you know, I don't need anybody helps and, and I'm just going to take what I need. We got this, but you know, a little, you know, sometimes, sometimes Half of this didn't necessarily need to happen, but at the same time, you know, you got to fill up them pages, right? So, right. Um, but also at the same time, speaking of while while Doom and the, the Guardians are fighting, um, there's another group of Guardians who are still on the uh, who's still on this planet. Which who we we come to find out um, what's going on with this planet, and also this is feels like a thing that came from someplace else because I feel like either this came from Star Trek, one of the last couple of Star Treks. I think it, think it might have come out from that last Star Trek. Or maybe not. I feel like I've seen this particular part come out of something in fairly recent history. Like a plot point from... from, from mm-hmm. In a different way, mind you. but um, Because in this case, it is a very familiar planet that we all know that can move about at will that is uh, that shows up. Exactly. Uh, that's being involved in this in this uh scroll fire cult uh but but i've definitely do recall something similar happening even though even the way they described it happening somewhere else and i wish i could remember where it was but i feel like it was a star trek thing uh but i don't remember so regardless we have this other crew they're doing that thing and it sounds like from the way the book is ending or the book the, the issue is ending or ended that the two uh the two teams are, are about to all 
come together because it seems like there may or may not be some similarities uh, to uh, what's going on between uh, what what Doom is talking about and what's going on with this other team. But also, we also find out how, as Agent 70 said um, earlier, we found out how Victor ends up joining with the Guardians because because of the fact that we watch, uh, we watch, we read solicitations, we knew this was coming. They right. don't necessarily tell us how this stuff happens. So, well, sometimes they do, and that's a kind of a bummer, but that's beside the point. Um, we now know how it happens, and it's like, okay, you know what? If you're gonna, if you're gonna have this happen, that's that's a that makes this probably as good a sense as any, <laughs> even though this it is a kind of crazy uh uh the way it drops about I and mean, we're not gonna spoil it obviously but let's uh, something ends up happening to with uh with between in doom's fight with the guardians that um pretty much endears him to help them out let's just say and and uh and ends up uh joining the guardians thanks to uh what what ends up happening right and if you're a dragon ball fan all i'll say is ribbit <laughs> yes um, except in this case it's more like Blam murdered you but exactly you know tomato tomato alrighty so President Bartlett what's next I mean we gotta go to Fantastic Four number 32 yeah it makes, uh, yeah, I guess it makes it's total logical. sense yeah it's the it's logical follow up mm -hmm. uh, Fantastic Four number 32 is written by Dan Slott with art by R.B. Silva and Javier Rodriguez in the backup story Colors by Jesus Abertov with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So the uh, the main story of this book is um, kind of a, you know kind of a, a a reset coming off of all of the 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 the, the Forever Gate stuff that's been happening. Mm -hmm. This is the first issue of the newest story arc. That is titled "The Bride of Doom," Part One. And the, the, you know what? What's funny is that what is pictured on the cover essentially is the gist, although it doesn't actually happen in the cover. Part of uh, it, it kind of does. Issued. It kind of does. Right, but it's oh, it almost gist, does. It's right, it's the gist of um, uh, of the story, which is which is interesting, which is. Um, uh, you know, as the result of an exhibition of uh, Latverian, uh, well, it's it's a it's an exhibit of uh, Latverian items uh, at a New York City, presumably at the New York at at the uh, the Museum of Natural History and or Modern Art um, in in uh, New York City. Uh, they're hosting this exhibit of uh, Latverian items and uh, related things. Uh, members of the Fantastic Four are invited along with Alicia Masters, who's having her work uh, displayed there. They're invited to this exhibit, and it, that is a reason for uh, Ben and Johnny to get dressed up and mm -hmm. to, you know, and to take out their respective uh, significant others. Obviously, Alicia is the main, you know, the main guest, mm -hmm. but. Um, they're, you know, they're on their way to this uh, exhibit, and uh, obviously Johnny's kind of trying to figure out where he stands with Scott. And, you know, the issue opens with him consulting with one of his ex-flames, uh, one uh, 
uh, Crystal. I'm trying to remember what her last name is, but Crystal of the Inhumans. I was about to say I don't know if her marriage still still stands, but it, at one point it was Maximoff because she was married to Quicksilver. So that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Um, but uh, but yeah, but 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 as I said, uh, the two of them are doing the superhero FaceTime slash Skype slash Zoom <laughs> of uh, you know uh, that that uh, that that Reed has in um uh for yancey street and crystal and luna believe it or not uh crystal's daughter with uh, uh pietro who is apparently growing very quickly because she does not look very young in that in, well, in the way that rb silva draws her quickly it's been some time since we've seen her one and you know <laughs> so to be fair right well, well you know how how how, how rubber, band, rubber band time uh is in uh the marvel universe sometimes yeah. Uh, it go, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll stretch it so that uh, a lot of time has passed. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll make it stretch so that it doesn't, mm-hmm. or contract so that it doesn't. So, um, one of the uh, the final things that Luna leaves him with is, "You're going to make the wrong choice and screw everything up." And I laughed. Yep, Cause... I absolutely laughed when I read that. Because one, not only does it end up being true, two, not surprising for Johnny. <laughs> exactly 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 so um so so ultimately things obviously go uh not according to plan at the exhibit because um uh, an infiltrator has made their way in someone has made their way what's that infiltrators actually oh right well exactly exactly that's a that's a that's an excellent point the first infiltrator that i was thinking of is uh one uh, and it's a minor spoiler alert but this character was bound to show back up since this character reappeared as a result of coming back through the forever gate with uh, uh with the future foundation if i'm not mistaken right yes so that that part is not clear because i don't remember obviously we have seen him as recently as a uh, power pack um if you're talking about who i'm thinking you're talking about Well, Elijah. Oh, okay. No, no, you're not. I'm, you know what? I read, actually, and I also read issue 31 right before I read this. So I might be mixing up uh, uh, an appearance that happens there. Okay. Um. So scratch what I just said. So yes, Elijah did, does, definitely does show up. And yes, she did come with the gate because she was with uh, uh, Future Five Nation at the end of all of that. Right, 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 right. So yeah, that, that just, just reaffirms what I remembered. Uh, so, but ultimately, uh, Elijah, <laughs> for what for whatever reason, decides to make a make a play uh, f- uh, for uh, Johnny Storm again, mm-hmm. and Sky gets caught in the middle of this, and she is definitely not happy. And all of this stuff uh, comes to the fore during uh, during their visit to the uh, the museum, where Victorious. Uh, from Latveria is keeping guard over uh, some of the more valuable, at least to the Latverians, items that are on display. Mm-hmm. And, and when uh, uh, Alicia convinces Ben to uh, to uh, to make a strategic withdrawal, that's when things start to really, um, to quote, uh, to use uh, some of the popular vernacular, pop off. Bye. So I want to say real quick, shout out to Dan Slot for that part because you 
what ends up happening as um uh, um as a result of that you kind of well i didn't see coming because that was because it kind of brings up a part that slot had brought up but we had not seen in a few quite issues because a lot of things have been going on uh, in, a few, in a few issues so the point that Leisha's like no we should go home and let them handle that which is kind of slightly it was like it, it, at first i was like wait why would she even say that because you know just you know things like that happening you know with all the stuff that was going on at the time or what ended up going what was about to going on which they didn't know at the time but what was already going on at the time like you would think they would have been like no let's stay so make sure we try to keep some peace for this but um but obviously there's also the other reason why she wouldn't want to stay because if you know your fantasy history uh she was replaced by elijah is it elijah because I never keep saying that she was replaced by Elijah back during Scroll Invasion, um, so obviously yeah, there's probably a reason why she wouldn't want to be there, and you know, and the, and the kids were getting upset because you know they know who she is, and you know, and, and all that kind of, especially uh, Nikki, the the Scroll kid, uh, you know, so that makes sense as to why she would try to get them out of there. But so shut up the slot for that because, like I said, even though I was like scratching my head, like why would she want want them to do that? But at the same time, like, no, it makes total sense. Well, I, I, I attributed that quickly to the, per, the newly developed parental instincts that they're trying to develop. Sure. You know, the newly, the newly developed, you know, parental instincts that they're trying to instill in themselves, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's how I saw that. And um, in a very timely move, guess the other infiltrators, as Brody Cat was uh, apt, hmm. uh, was, was correct to point out, were the traditional one world, one people guys, <laughs> right? The traditional ones, right. except their call is we are one world. And when I saw that, I was like, man, Slot was right on time with this. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, if you have watched Falcon and Winter Soldier. He was, he was a Shanti in that, in that jar, you know, in that Ja Rule song. Oh, no. You know? Mm. But uh, you know, well, he was on time with this. <laughs> nice. You with the dark on music references tonight? What is going on? It's usually <laughs> me doing that. Anyway, uh, but yes. So obviously, and like I was saying, uh, fresh off of Falcon and Winter Soldier, also, which that's no uh, coincidence. I'm fairly certain. Um, comes Ultimatum, the group Ultimatum, which you know, you know, it's flag smashers. If you are, if you're from the. Uh, in the um in the uh Falcon and Winter Soldier parlance. Uh which is a pretty much the same group. So they happen to come along and, and uh put a wrinkle into things and Johnny and uh what's Johnny Elijah, Sky and Victorious are all fighting. Uh and they end up, you know and they and also while having internal fights uh between each other while this is all going on. But that all gets cleaned up. Uh, and then we get to the ne- last half of the, um, or the next part of this issue. Because this was, uh, what, uh, how many pages was this? Was like 30 some issues? 30, 32 pages? 34. Was it? Mm-hmm. So 33, it was a, 34, something like that? Yeah. This so it was, is including the, uh, the, the, the backup story. So yeah, right. it was definitely extra sized. Cover price for this was four ninety nine, so it's definitely a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, did you, you did do the uh, creative team? Did you mention the the, the chess um, consultant? 
No, I didn't, because I was going to mention that when we got to the backup story. Okay, cool. Well, then, 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 not to believe that in too much further. So we get up a couple other things uh, that that um that happened going into the end of this issue, which leads, which goes into. So again, like like I was saying, a thing that gets brought back up that we hadn't seen is the thing that happens with Alicia when she gets back home that has to do with There's Elijah. A twist. Right. Yes. Exactly. There is a twist to what happens with Elijah and Bridie Cat just hit upon it. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising, but not so much because of, as Roddy Cat mentioned, some of the the history of these characters, the emotional baggage and wreckage right. that they've come out of as a result of their histories together. So their mutual histories and so i understood that as soon as i saw that panel i was like oh mm-hmm. i understand where she's coming from having read have understanding where all that is and where she is now as a character so you kind of wonder like wait so she did she really want them to go home because they were trying to you know hide you know uh as you said uh you know stoke their parental uh um um fires or whatever the case would be or did she really have the plan to go ahead and do this thing that she did in here, which she had done before, you know, a few issues back? It can be both. It can be both, yeah. true. But I feel like it can absolutely be both because the, the it was logical, absolutely logical in a museum full of treasures, mm-hmm. having the thing, you know, jump out in a, a, a super powered melee. Right. That's probably, you know, it, uh, it was apt that slot had alicia choose that you know you're a bull and this is a china shop right but it was also beautiful like like like, yeah alicia's not stupid it has never been you know she's she's pretty intelligent you know i mean never you know like uh, you know we're we're going back to ff 48 Mm -hmm. 49 at this point like she is a well-developed character that they've kind of screwed with over time especially with the scroll with the scroll thing yeah but they have you know but but she's found new footing um, you know, now, now that they've, ha- they've allowed her to develop a relationship with, uh, with Ben, mm-hmm. which I'm also and- going to hate because of this part that happens, because you know, this is going to come back up at some point and it's not going to bode well. Absolutely. 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 And, uh, because, you know, because a lot of people were, would be willing to, to give her the benefit of the doubt because it is done in the defense of her family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with, with this being, uh, uh, not just dealing with the, you know, uh, herself and her immediate family, but then her extended family through her, uh, quote unquote in-laws. Yes. And you know, also the second time she has done this quote unquote in defense of her family. Right. So, which is why like I said, I was like, oh, snap, because like I said, it was something that we hadn't seen in the future, like, I, like I've said a couple times already in, yeah. during the course of this. Yeah, we've seen it under slots, under the, the, the big hint, if you're not familiar with this, with the slot run on FF, it's, it's definitely during the slot run. Mm-hmm. And you and, just have to go back a little ways. And definitely have to do with her family. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and the last and, and the last twist that happens in this in this uh, lead story mm-hmm. is has to do with uh, Johnny Storm and his uh, philandering ways. Um, well, it's all in service of getting to. So basically, this is a, a let's say a logic, a kind of Johnny focused issue, but it's kind of in service of. I guess two things. One, dealing with what he's going through with he and Sky and, you know, his 
past history and him growing up and all that kind of stuff. But also slightly in service of what is on the title. If you're watching the video, you can see the 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 cover, you know, right. um, of the arc, which is the Bride of Doom, which is also kind of going into that. Okay, so, what you're saying? right. So what was great about this sequence? What was great about this sequence is that the art leaves everything so vague. Mm-hmm. Art Silva does a masterful job <laughs> of leaving what is actually happening here, you know, when and where these particular conversations are happening, leaves that up in the air until the big reveal on the next page, which is awesome. I thought that was paced so well. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was very great. You know, that is such, that is, that is, that is absolutely, uh, you know, that slot obviously um, um, coming up with this particular twist, but it has to be told in, uh, you know, this is obviously a visual medium. It has to be told well. And the page layouts and the, and, and the, um, the, the way the, uh, the, 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 the two conversations are being told in parallel mm-hmm. just is masterful. I was so impressed by that. <laughs> and then there's the big reveal, which is kind of like, oh, he did not. That is totally what I thought. I probably said something out loud. It's like, oh, he didn't. It's like, oh, no, he didn't. But again, we knew this was coming because of solicitors and whatnot. And we also pretty much knew... I feel like we knew who it was going to be uh, that this happened to. So um, I'm just going to spoil this real quick. Uh, Dr. Doom, although he did it over Skype, technically. Oh, um, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, what are you, which part are you talking I about? I agree with that. No, it's like, oh, no, he didn't. Like uh, like Johnny being Johnny. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There was that also. Yes, 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 yes. It's that, that reveal is what I'm really talking yes, about. Yes, I, I agree. And, I, and I'm with you. Yes, I am with you on... on... Because because this is me dancing around spoilers, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. where... <laughs> so I, I I honestly hope, and this is one of my candidates for for click of the week because <laughs> you know I enjoyed reading this. It was just so fun. Yeah. Um, because of that, because you know, and Radicat will agree with me as he flips through our review copies. You could just see that sequence, and then when you see the reveal of what actually is happening and what Sky is referring to, mm-hmm. you're. Oh no, he didn't. Like even slightly right before the reveal, you can kind of see it because you can. It, like yeah, shout out to definitely for uh, RBC for, for the art because everything just kind of really expressive uh, in that part. Um, right, pacing. Yes, you know, layout, all of it. And it kind of hurts too because I'm like, oh man, why does this have to happen to her? <laughs> Which you kind of knew John was going to fuck up at some point, but um. Right. And then, as Roddy Cat mentioned, the reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like the, the 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 thinly veiled secret, you know, the thinly veiled twist, which we all knew was coming because of the solicits happens. Right. But the but the circumstances under which that surround it right. is what really makes the story. Right. Johnny happens to be privy to, because of the situation he had got himself in at that moment was privy to an announcement or a proclamation that uh was only supposed to be for two people's eyes well for one of those uh person's eyes only and um, ears yeah and ears only exactly um dr doom proposes to someone and it's again shouldn't be that hard to figure out if you one been kind of 
Uh, I should actually I take that back. No, no, no. I stand behind that. It sh shouldn't be that hard to figure out because of one this issue by itself, but even given, and I I would go so far as to say if you've read Doctor Doom's book, um, which actually was a pretty good book, uh, that uh, Crystal yeah, King World book, so you, you should definitely check that out. But yeah, even sure. if I you haven't, and be, I definitely second that. Yeah, even if you haven't and just been reading Doctor, you know, excuse me, reading Fantastic Four and the uh, Doom's dealings here. You could kind of figure out, you know, you got to figure out what who he was reporting for, who he's uh, proposing to. Now, yeah, it still seems kind of weird that it in kind of out of the blue in a sense, because they is not like they didn't have any kind of relationship outside of what he is to her or what she is. Yeah, basically what she is to him. Right. Uh, but and and like I said, going back to the Doctor Doom book, some of that kind of gets played with during the course of that Dr. Doom book, which is why I would suggest maybe possibly seeking that out and checking that, uh, checking that out. Cause it, some of that, it gets a little, little bit deeper, but not by much, um, during the course of that, that, uh, that run, which is only what, like 10 issues at this point. And I think, I don't even, I think that, that book might be gone. What? The Dr. Doom book. Oh yeah, no, it's over. It was yeah, a limited yeah, yeah. series and it yeah. lasted, I believe 10 issues. I think so. Yeah. So definitely check out that book if you are if you are interested in some of that um, some of that part. But nevertheless, you don't necessarily need to for this. that. Was Cantwell right? Cantwell, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. Uh, I was very happy that that Roddy Cat put me onto that book, mm -hmm. and I went back and and read it, and it was good. Yeah, but like I said, yeah, Victor Victor uh, proposes to somebody, and you know, like I said, it's not that big of a surprise to us um, because I there was. I don't know too many of the other people who it could have been uh, outside of Sue, which, you know, Reed wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, even, you know. Well, that, that's a more name or thing. Yeah, so. pretty much. Although we have also seen Doom kind of, if you remember Secret Wars, Doom was kind of. That's true. Yeah. So he was kind of in there like that. Um. So yeah, that happens, and then that ends up the main story, and then we get to the backup story, which uh, starts off uh, back at Reed. It's a flashback, yes, yeah. it starts off with a flashback with Reed and Sue, and well, and Ben at being in college, and the first meeting of Reed and Ben. Excuse me, Reed and um, uh, Victor over. You know, Reed trying to be nice and, and start up a game of chess because they, they, clearly those them two being the, the smartest uh, folks on the campus at the time, you know, uh, that being the case. And Reed's like, hey, you want to play some chess with me? And Doom's like, nah, whatever, you know. But then cut to basically now, at some point recently, during the course of uh, what's going on in the, the main, well, we can assume after what happens uh, in the main story. Um. Uh, they to continue the the chess game with swords to a to an end. Um, that honestly I didn't see was going to happen, but also came up in the solicits. Yeah, I don't want to spoil that either. I, my yeah, my 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 uh my my reading on this was tinged with knowledge, with foreknowledge of what's what's supposed to happen. Right, and. Uh, I you know I had I had a feeling that that this that you know that particular end was the point of the story. Right, but I will say this: if you have even if you don't read solicits like we do, and I you know that's you know I wouldn't suggest that too many times unless you just really really want to know. But 
if you know about Reed and Victor's uh, history together, you would not have expected what uh, the end result of that uh, backstory <laughs> happening. You kind of could, but you kind of wouldn't off the off the shelf, you know, because mm-hmm. they're they've always had a, a um, combative relationship, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> that that's being nice about the situation. That's being the kindest way of you know. Yeah, I mean, rivalry is is probably only a little kinder. Yes, you know. Yes. So, so what Rod Cat uh, was asking about earlier was there is a consultant credited in this story, mm-hmm. Zach Rivkin. Uh, he's credited as the chess consultant because there are two separate battles being waged simultaneously mm-hmm. during this duel of swords between Reed and Victor. And um, as as Rod Cat mentioned. Uh, the flashback involves a proposed game of chess that never gets off you know, the first move. You know, that only gets off the first move. From right. Right? right. And um, the, the, the game is continued in conjunction with the sword duel, and they are going through a virtual chess game, calling out positions and moves, board positions and moves. And um, I've always been envious of people that can do this mm-hmm. because I'm not much of a chess player at all. And I regret not having taken it up, taking it up, uh, not having taken it up, uh, at a younger age, but, yeah, um, same. always, I've, I've always envied people that can visualize a chessboard and, and, and call out moves, you know, uh, shout out to Ron Weasley knight to H three, but he's playing on a wizard chess board. So it was big and he could see it. And he's also but, one of the pieces. You know, Exactly. So, uh, but but at the end of the day, you know, people that can visualize a chessboard in their head and know where all the pieces are, because that's the point. Right. You have to know where the pieces are so that you can um, plan your moves ahead and counter, you know, potential moves from the from your opponent. Mm-hmm. So, um, what ends up happening here is there is a battle fought, but a war won. Right. And now, given that these are two of the smartest. Uh, people in the Marvel universe, not surprising that they could they could do this, right? At all, or and they are doing, it. and they actually weirdly enough kind of remind me of the Dragon Ball Z if you think about the Cell Saga near the end, to a point. Uh, this is not going to be look. I made I think I'm almost fairly certain I made a Dragon Ball Z reference uh, last week for the title, so I'm not going to do that this week. But that's you know, he yeah. definitely did. Uh, but it won't stop. So. But you, but you could very much see something like that happening here, like I said, with that. Uh, hey, even down to a certain color scheme. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how that plays out. And I'm going to assume next issue, either there's going to be another backup that's uh, going to go further with this, or it's just probably get more likely going to get taken up in the main issue. Um... Because this is, again, part one of, um, I'm going to assume, a five or six issue arc. Um, Whether it actually happens that Doom's going to get married or not, hey, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel, and and, 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 and I know I'm kind of hopping on this a little bit, but I know, um, like I said, I feel like there are people who are going to read this, if, if they've just been reading Fantastic Four, um, we're going to be like, wait, what? 
but I, I do re I really do think that Duck Doom will kind of bear a little bit more uh, uh, about why he potentially would be doing this. It doesn't necessarily go any any way to do this that we know of. But I feel like if you read that and then go back and go into this and like, you know what, like it that makes more sense than you you think it would. Do you mean Gardens? No, no, no. Uh, I meant Doctor Doom. Oh, I see. However, there, I, I'm glad you, but I'm glad you brought that point up because yes, um, in the main story, because that's the part with the main story we did totally forget about. Um, so when the proposal was happening, Doom did it over basically Doom Skype or whatever the case may be, and he did mention that you know he's his uh, intentions, his uh, attentions are elsewhere, and he couldn't do that in, in person or whatnot, which some would say that that's probably because he's in Guardians of the Galaxy doing that right or now. He's or he's planning on, on doing the Guardian stuff. Because right. It sounds like he might have been already like, there. Well, it depends on... What it is, it depends on... Uh, what you call it? It depends on, as you said, whether or not he's there or not. Because right. the way it's phrased here, the way that Dan Slot uses the phrase, the way that, fra that Slot phrases it is that he's preparing, so he wants to make True. sure that Ledbury is in good hands True. while he's away. So that's how I. That's why I think it hasn't. He hasn't quite gone into space in the guard with the Guardians yet. Right, or he's on his way there, or But yeah, that makes yeah, total exactly. sense. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean that's how I read it. No, that so. makes yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Fantastic Four right. is a good issue. Is a some would say a fantastic issue. Yeah, it was a, listen, extra sized and for good reason. It's mm -hmm. one of those times when you know the entire book serves you know serves the story, as opposed to you know some of these throwaway kind of backup stories. So I you know I was definitely definitely lots to read and lots to digest and lots of great great sequences and great art. Like I, I gushed over that that particular sequence. Um, with Johnny and um, his, uh, like I said, philandering. If you want, you know, if you want an SAT word, folks, there's one. Look it up. Learn something. Mm -hmm. um, and shout out to again, shout out to Dan Slot, who I'm just going to say really quickly uh, has probably made Fantastic Four uh, as interesting as it has in a long while, mm -hmm. barring a couple of you know things here and there in the past. So. Like the, the slot's been doing some consistently um, cool things with the Fantastic Four since he's gotten a book, and I hope he's uh, I'm, I'm hope he's allowed to stay on it for a good while. Same, and he's been blessed with good artists too. They, they exactly. know they gave him Arby Silva. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who did he start off with? I can't remember. Do you remember? But he, he started no, out pretty good. He pretty... started off with Arby Silva. Did he? Okay. He had a rotate. He's had a rotating cast, but he mm -hmm. started off with Arby Silva because okay. this was uh, Arby Silva's first project post Poxbox. Right. Okay. Gotcha. That being said, um, yeah, good stuff. I can't say you could just read this off the bat and know everything that's going on because obviously some of it kind of plays off some, um, like little bits and pieces kind of plays off the things that's been going on in the the last couple of uh, arcs. Right. So, um, yeah, you can't necessarily go in here and just be like, hey, you know, I'll just pick it up as that. But, you know, you can take a shot with it, I guess. <laughs> and if you want to go back and, and, and see what's been going on, do so. Yeah, it's tough. Like, it's, you know, it's it's kind of like, all right, so this is a big storyline, but you kind of need have, you kind of need to know what has happened over the past several issues. Right. And as I said, may possibly need to seek out a, a secondary book. May right. may want to, don't necessarily need to. I'll, I'll put it that way because you don't necessarily need to, but might want to. 
Right. And it's funny because when you think about it, this run is 32 issues old now. Mm-hmm. So that's not, you know, it's been a while. You know, they've had that all that forever gate stuff and, you know, developing all that stuff before we even get to this stuff. Right. And as you recall, uh, it started with them just basically coming back. Like reading right. to just basically come back this period where after being gone, you know, with the FF, with the, yeah, with the future foundation or just gone just in general. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. And that was a whole arc and a half in itself. Um, mm-hmm. And going into the rest of this. Yeah, exactly. And reestablishing their new status quo of not being at the, uh, the Baxter building and, you know, setting up a new home. And mm-hmm. then they did uh, Ben and Alicia's relationship and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's there's been lots of cool stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Lots of pieces on this board, some would say. Yep. So I say, think we should probably start rapid firing some. I of this think stuff. that is a good idea. So I will spin it up, and we will start going through our lists. Rapid fire, folks, where we try to keep it brief. Uh, sometimes we it does have time. Lead exactly. Uh, do you want to start? Sure, okay, go for it. Absolutely, all right. So, um, first off is the DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration number one. This is basically an anthology book uh, put out by DC to celebrate uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which is May, which is right now, folks. So um, happy uh, AAPI Heritage Month. And, uh, you know, let's stop Asian hate, support our small Asian businesses as we come out, uh, as we continue to struggle with uh, some of the effects of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, what was cool about this book is that it does serve to highlight several of the DC Asian characters. What's striking about this book is that there are so many characters that are of Asian descent that are at least partially Asian. And um, what's even more striking about it is that all of these characters are, how shall I put this? And no offense to uh, uh, Cassandra Cain, uh, minor. Um, it's really like a harsh criticism. And this is where I come in because uh, I believe when this book first announced, you and, well, we both oh, did, but I, I ripped the, I ripped. Yes. <laughs> I ripped this book. I ripped this book, and 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 I'll give you, I'll give you uh, 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 my justification very quickly as part of this rapid fire. Part of this book has character bios in the back. So Rodicat, when Rodicat has a chance to go through this, he'll see that in the back of this book, uh, our review copies, you have character bios of the Atom, Batgirl, Cheshire, Cheshire Cat, Clown Hunter, Dr. Light, Element Woman, Gold Lantern, Grace Choi, Green Arrow, this is Connor Hawk, who I did not know was part Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Lantern um, from that... Uh, uh, that small, that Green Lantern legacy. The legacy um, book, right, graphic novel. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Lady Shiva and Katana, uh, Red Arrow, New Superman, that's Kenan or Kong Kinan, or Kinan Kong, uh, the new Swamp Thing, who I did not know was of uh, Indian descent, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, East Indian descent, um, uh, and Tracy 13, 
I don't oh. know who 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 is that. But from... which of these characters? I believe that's a Wildstorm character from Gen thirteen. Gen thirteen, yeah. But regardless, point being, right? Point being, of all of these characters that they shout out here, right? Uh, who are all these people? I mean, I know I recognize a lot of them as a, as a comic book reader. Some of them are new, right? Some of them are de- are definitely new, and 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 you know, in an in an effort to uh, help diversify right. uh, the roster of characters, right? They've right. Been some added. of them are legacy characters, basically. Exactly, and some, but some of them have been added, right? As Roddy Cat mentioned, some of them have taken on uh, mantles as part of uh, a hero's legacy. But really, what I was going to say is, it's great that you know they're using these characters, that they're spotlighting these characters, but it's a knock. You know, it's actually um, it, it reveals a, a very strong knock you can you can take against DC uh, that they they have not developed you know, uh, uh, like lead Asian characters. The counterpoint to this is the fact that, you know, and, and I got so annoyed at this and I thought to myself, well, at least DC decided to do uh, an AAPI heritage um, uh, book, you know, to honor the, you know, to honor the, 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 the holiday, right? The, the month, to celebrate the month, right? Um, the same way, you know, Marvel's doing a pride uh, uh, book for, for June. Right? I'm like, well, why doesn't Marvel do an Asian one? But then I realized that guess what is also out this week? Silk number three from Marvel. By, written by Maureen Gu, art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. I feel like uh, that's a yeah. one that's a nice segue. Not quite what I I was like, where are you going with that? Because I know they didn't put out a, a Marvel Voices book. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, but nice segue. Right, because what we actually get is uh, an actual title, an actual so an actual solo title with an Asian American or an Asian or, or Asian Asian American character as the lead, with an Asian writer and Asian artist as part of the main uh, as part of the uh, the, the main uh, creative team on this book, and you know what. I think that's better than you know a book that that that's set out to you know to uh, to to celebrate the month because you actually have a title here that is holding its own and in Silk Number Three we get a continuation of that gangland investigation that uh, Cindy Moon is on but uh, there are a lot of rele- uh, revel- revelation rele- revelations here that um, that come up in this book as a result of um, things happening unbeknownst to Cindy. And as she tries to go about her investigation, things get very complicated for her because of the relationship that she has with her new therapist, who unbeknownst to her is uh, related to the target of her investigation. You know, and meanwhile, this whole demon cat thing uh, is, um, it, it looks like it's going to develop into something much, much worse. Um, than much into much something much more worse than what the uh the the, the basically the antagonist of this story intended. I'm being purpose, purposefully vague because I want people to read this book and pick it up. All right, next up for me is Children of the Atom, number three, written by Vita Ayala, with art by Paco Medina. Colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is part of, um, you know, the, there was some some stuff made of 
the art change. I think Bernard Chang was on this book for the first two issues, but now it's Paco Medina. I don't know if they're going to be alternating or if it's or if Paco Medina is going to be the uh, permanent artist on the book, but I like the change. I thought that the art was a little bit more consistent, a little bit more sharp. Um, it almost seems like, uh, you know, Paco Medina, uh, you know, they're starting to develop a, a house style that's a little bit closer to the Hox Pox style, if you look at the art in it. Um, you know, in terms of the um, the computer art and the and the coloring, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at this yet, Radigat. Uh, no, not yet. Right. Well, the cover is by R. B. Silva, but if you look at the insides, being by Paco Medina, the art seems consistent. And uh, you know, I, I just I just think that this is a a good development for uh, the Marvel books, especially the X books, having you know, th there's like a nice little you know, semi-house style, you know, where, where there's a very just consistent look to things and, and it's very sharp and it's very slick. Um, and, uh, you know, with regards to the story, uh, the, the mystery behind what these quote-unquote children of the atom actually are, whether or not they are mutants, continues to develop and it's going to be something that unravels over the course of at least this opening story arc. We are now in issue three, so this could be a six issue uh, revelation, you know, that kind of uh, uh, plays out over the course of the first six issues or more. So, you know, the, the, the mystery continues. Uh, next up for me is Giant Size Amazing Spider-Man King's Ransom number one, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Roger Antonio, Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos, colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So I'm not going to spoil this because I think Roddy Cat's going to read it. It is an exercised yep. capper to the very, very long boomerang story that Nick Spencer has been telling in the pages of, Un of Amazing Spider-Man. And um, it is essentially a nice little bow on top of this story. But Roddy Cat mentioned this when we were uh, offline just before going on, it's about time that Nick Spencer wrapped up this story because it just has, 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 has dragged on way too long. It's rolled into the kindred story. It's rolled into a lot of different, you know, uh, uh, storylines, and it just took a long time to resolve itself. So now we finally get some resolution on the boomerang story in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. So if you're looking for the conclusion of the story of that story, you should definitely take a look at Giant Size Amazing Spider-Man King's Ransom number one. Uh, next up, I'm going to do a little bit of a skip here and go to Heroes Reborn number two. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Dale Keown and Carlos Magno and Ed McGinnis because it's a two-part, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, book divided into two stories essentially um with inks by scott Hanna, Carl, carlos magno and mark morales and colors by elder edgar delgado with um colors also by uh matthew wilson looks like i left out the the letterer just gonna pull that up real quick folks bear with me um you know, I apologize. I, I do my best to try to um, get these uh, credits in 
so that we can uh, get our uh, reviews going. Uh, VC's Corey Pettit lettered the, the, the second story. And the first story is... I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Get them talking, scrolling. Um, oh, no. VC's Corey Pettit lettered the entire book. My apologies. So um, the first the, the first story in this book is a Hyperion-based story, and you really see the characterization that they're giving Hyperion in this, where um, it's a definitely a mix of where they have taken the character post um, his uh, relaunch, post his um, you know that that the initial uh, series that he had that was cut off very quickly because it didn't sell. Uh, uh, in, you know, with um, was it all new when all new came out? Mm -hmm. You know, there was a Hyperion. I mean, listen, there was a Hyperion um, hip hop cover that was uh, based off of uh, the Fresh uh, Will Smith, not the Fresh Prince, but the Will Smith cover. Right. Uh, I think it was a Big Willie style. I think it was, and um, uh, you know, we we get we get this uh, story told from um, Hyperion's. Uh, let's say conservative point of view, not necessarily going to go as far as right wing point of view, but definitely conservative point of view, and how the history of the Marvel universe has changed as a result of the catalyst of this Heroes Reborn story. And um, Roddy Cat's not exactly up on this book yet, so I'm not going to spoil um, what is revealed in this book, but. We definitely have some things intertwining with some of the uh, the one shots that take place this week, or uh, namely um, Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug. So I so did I'm just sort skim... of talk about that conjunction. Yeah, so I did just skim through Heroes Reborn, and I did see where that was the case. Right. So you know, just touching upon that as well, um, Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug, written by Mark Mark Bernardin from Fat Man Beyond. Um, with art by Ron Lim and Raphael De La Torre, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Jim Campbell, and letters by VCs Ariana Meyer. I have something to mention about this Peter Parker book um, before we move on, but let me uh, uh, rewind it back to Heroes Reborn number two. As I said, you know, a lot of the stuff is uh, very Hyperion-centric. Some of these heroes that are in this uh, some of the Marvel heroes that find themselves active during the Squadron Supreme uh, continuity uh, definitely know something is wrong, definitely feel like um, uh, that uh, time is wrong or, or, or the, 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 the reality that they're in is incorrect. And uh, they are all looking for the one hero uh, who is the, uh, the the focal point of the change in the Marvel history at, uh, uh, in the story? So uh, that is, you know, essentially the crux of that first story. The second story involves um, what Blade has been doing and uh, seeks to move the hero's reborn story forward. So that is where I will. Uh, leave Heroes Reborn number two with all of you. I think that it's fun. I don't know how, you know, we, we still haven't talked about how we get to this reality warping you know, right. situation yet that may not be revealed for a while. But um, 
you know, this is definitely going, this is definitely developing as a character study of how the Squadron Supreme uh, characters are adjusting to this reality because the next issue is supposed to be uh, Blur, which is the speed guy. So I was going to mention the flash analog. Right, basically. So I was going to mention the fact that, so, and I think we've already said this in the past that, um, we assume that it might be going coming off of what's going on in the in, in adventures right now. We don't know that for certain, but uh, yeah, probably by the time this finishes, we will probably if if that is the case, we might get to that point, which is going to be weird because by the time we get to that point, if it, that's the case, Heroes for Born might be over. <laughs> Possibly, oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. We will see. What uh, I mean, if there, if this is tightly scheduled, though, I, you know, it should come, you know, it, it should all be very, uh, uh, you know, it, it should be running, you know, like I said, it should, if it runs on schedule, then that shouldn't be the the problem. Sure. Uh, with regards to the uh, the amazing Shutterbug book, you know, this is definitely a what if, you know, it's a what if uh, Peter doesn't get bit by the spider. Because that's 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 not really a, a a spoiler because that's in the title, right? And you know things that happen during the course of the Heroes Reborn number one issue, you know, kind of unfold over the course of this issue. But we also get some flashback as to, flashbacks as to what happens to Peter Parker over the course of his life that lead him to that you know that 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 point in time where. He crosses over into that Heroes Reborn miniseries, so right, in the, it's the, um, in the second issue. You know, it, it's it's definitely affecting. Um, I felt, you know, I felt bad. I, you know, I just I just felt for him reading this book because, you know, it's a character that you know, you know, if it hadn't if it wasn't for this one thing, things could have gone so differently. Right, and you know, just to see just to see how Mark Bernardin laid that, I'm like, you know what, this is definitely you know, uh, a strong what if injury. Right. And it is, it is usually with what if there's like, here's this one thing that happened that might have changed. In this case, it's a couple of things. Like it's the main thing with him getting his part of powers, but it's this other thing, which I won't spoil, that also mm. affects his life. Um, well, I guess there's a couple of things in that one, but the, the, the ones after that are smaller in, in relation to, you know, him getting bit and this other major event in his life right. that, you know, that happens in a different, that happens differently, I'll say. All right. And that's it for me. Those are my books for the week. Alrighty then. Uh, and we will go to my books for the week, which I guess, hey, coincidentally, <laughs> continues the spider theme. Uh, spider Woman, number 12. Um, how do I get back over here to my notes? So, uh, Spider-Woman, written by Carla Pacheco, um, art by Perry Perez, uh, color artist Frank Darmada, and lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. Which, by the way, if, uh, before I go any further, uh, Silk was actually a potential click of the week. I forgot to mention that we, when, when Agent Number was talking about that. But anyway, uh, so we get an origin story for... And oh, wait, I was about to say, there's some great um, Cindy and J. Jonah yes, stuff in there. and I was going to mention that too, but I totally forgot. That was that whole part. I'm thinking, like, how do you... How do you ask Cindy trust that <laughs> that he's doing what he said he was doing? You know, exactly. that part. But it was a nice part. As a matter of fact, I think I did say in my notes that um I guess uh J- Jonah's you know recent uh, dealings with Peter kind of softened him up. Uh 
you know, to him in dealing with uh, this, these costume spiders specifically. Well, right. I was about to say it's made him more sympathetic. Yes. So that that is an interesting um, interesting uh, thing to see. Also, there's a I feel like there's a Saya um, parallel with that uh, the 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 um, the main bad type bad guy bad woman I guess mm -hmm. not just because it's the not only just her name but the hair except for the fact that she's not singing and there's no chandeliers um, and there was a revelation on that which I don't think you I don't remember you touching on that we get at the end of that issue that I'm not sure if we knew about. No, we we did not know that she was in fact capable of defending herself. Well, that too, but I mean the 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 revelation at the the other revelation at the end of the book who, who of who her who is she related to supposedly maybe possibly related to. Oh, that's a big revelation. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. that character, believe it or not, um, uh, also shows up in King's Ransom. So. Mm. Right, because it's a part of the uh, the whole crime uh, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but back to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Spider Woman number twelve, uh, which has nothing to do with any of that. Um, but yeah, we get an origin story for those brothers and the talking swords that uh, Jess has been fighting. I don't know if you could plan on. I know you kind of dropped off with Spider Woman. I did, I did. I mean, I, I I jumped back on just to see what was going on with their, you know, like her her um, reversion to the to the old costume. Right. But I haven't read this issue yet. Right. So I won't say too much more than, yeah. So we get that uh, origin story on that. And the whole thing ends up devolving, going from one fight to another fight uh, with those parties, let's just say. Um, and at the end, there's, um, there felt like, the, there. well, there was definitely a time jump at the end end. But there was, it felt like we missed a page. Uh, but it looks like that was a potential, that was a choice that was made in, um, how they handled, uh, something that happens at the end of the issue, let's just say. That's kind of a heartbreaker. Um, and yeah. So then that's all I'll say about that. It was, uh, it was, um, like I said, the, the whole thing with the brothers, and like, I'm not sure where that was going or where that's even going to go, but apparently they're, they're doing more with that. Um, but the thing at the end was kind of like, huh, okay, well, we're going to see what they do about that. That's sad. Uh, next up though, Star Wars number 13. So this is a, um, prelude to the War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, event that is now going on, uh, that started last week, uh, with, uh, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. We didn't get to talk about that last week because I don't think neither one of us had read it at the time. Uh, but this is a prelude, this is another prelude kind of going into that. And I would suggest that if you are not, if you're going to read this, you might want to read that. Right. This is kind of like a Star Wars line wide event. So. Right. Um, and it definitely shows, even, you know, uh, so the short strokes is. This is taking place between uh, or after the events of Empire Strikes Back. Han is in carbonite. Boba Fett has them, which leads, which is pretty much a catalyst going into this um, to this event. Uh, because of the Alpha, Boba Fett ends up on Nashada, uh because something was going on with the carbonite uh, that Han was being encased in, which led him to in, get up getting into some things. Cut to this issue of Star Wars 13. Um, Luke 
and the droids, uh, Luke, Chewie, and the droids end up getting wind of this, that the fact that Boba Fett was on uh, Nashada, and they go to go check it out. Uh, they meet up with another uh, old friend of uh, Chewbacca's, which is another Wookiee, um, which who we'll probably never, ever see ever again. Well, uh, we might. I don't know. They tend to bring up things that, that may come up at some point or may have come up at some point. We don't know. Look, Wookiees are long-lived. Um, I think the only other thing I can say about this is I think uh, Agent 7 is also going to um, read this, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, I said in my notes it should have been called Star Wars also the search for Han because that is <laughs> you know but um, yeah and that's that's pretty much all I'll say about that because there is another thing that happens at the end of this uh, issue with R2 really really wanting to tell Luke something for the whole issue and um, then he finally gets to tell him which you know where what's that, it, what does that have to do in relation to um uh, this this uh, arc going on. Not entirely sure, but I guess we'll find out. Next up, and uh, while I continue to forget to flip these uh, doggone <laughs> um, covers, we go to the next Batman Second Son, number 11. And boy, I wish I had read that Ruby uh, Justice League because I totally had forgotten all about that. Um, while I'm picking up this, there we go. So again, this is the digital first. This is a digital first uh, book that is uh, ongoing, uh, written by John Ritten, Ridley. That John Ridley, Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, pencils by Travel Foreman. Inks by Norm Rapmund. Colors by Rex Locus. And letters by Darren Bennett. Uh, Katana shows up and fights this. Um, I, I don't know her name. She's this girl, this woman this, uh, that works for Arcadine, who is the, the dude that uh, Jace is trying to go after, who is now in Gotham for some reason. Uh, so Katana goes up against this woman, beats her down handily. Um, you know, but she holds her own. I mean, there was this other lady holds her own. I think she's called the Morrigan or something. I'm not entirely sure. I've never really caught her name during this whole thing. Um... But on the other side of that, uh, Jace's mom pretty much settles the case that the, the Foxes have against them um, by trying to settle out of court in the way that they can do now that they got a lot of money. Uh, the rest of the issue is pretty much Katana giving Chase a talk, and we, found, we find out that Katana changed, uh, trained Jace at some point. Mind you, this is taking place right before Future, uh, future State. And maybe this was something in Batwing or something. I'm not entirely sure because I, I haven't read Batwing, Batwing since the the beginning of when Luke was a uh, Batwing, and I think at this point he's still Batwing. So I don't know if any of this was going on around that time. I'm not sure. But regardless, that's pretty much it. And she she ends up talking by saying that he sh uh, should be about being a symbol for better things, which is probably more likely leading closer to the events of uh, Future State and him getting a bat suit. Still haven't gotten it at this point, and it's been less than issues, uh, which in physical terms is probably like, what, six? Or half a six at this point. But that's that. Uh, Magic the Gathering, number two, written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Ed Guara, uh, colors Ariana Consoni, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. There, um, 
excuse me. So basically, Naya, Raul, and Vraska uh, form an alliance to figure out who's behind the attempts on their lives, and it all ends up back to Jace. Um, and not to spoil anything for anybody who's wanting to uh, check this out, which is actually kind of a fun read if you're a Magic the Gather fan and or a fan of Jet McKay's writing. Um, which, again, if you're reading Black Hat, you probably are. Uh, I know. Huh? I said Rido. Yep. So you might want to check this out. Like, especially if you're a fan of Magic the Gathering, because this is pretty much. There's been other Magic the Gathering books, but this is kind of a mainline book that where I don't know um, where this particular arc is going to go, or whether they're going to break away from that, or whether this is just going to be these three people going to get, you know, solving these three planes, walkers, you know, going around solving mysteries or whatnot. But I'm here for the ride because I enjoy me some Magic the Gathering. I am a big nerd like that. You should have figured that out by now. Uh, let's see. My last book is, um, oh, did I even get a cover for that? Here's the Magic Gathering book. The cover for that book is an image book, uh, Time Before Time, written by Declan Shalvey and Rory uh, McConville, uh, art by Joe Palmer, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and uh, letters by, and I apologize for if I screw up this name, Hassan Atsmane um, Elhawe. Elhawe. El, I had it right before the show. I think I had it right before the show. I'm not sure. Elhaw. Um So again, I apologize for if I, if I butchered that name. So the, the crux of the book is about the, um, the syndicate that for some odd reason, well, not odd reason, for some reason, is smuggling people into the past if they got the right amount of money. So it's kind of like a time witness protection program, but not really. Because as we found during the course of this issue, uh, a couple of people that uh, that are using this service are not good people. So And they're harding out from the law. Uh, that's kind of a sad point because the, the crux of it is this, uh, one of the, well, a couple of the workers the transporters, as you would, um, who are apparently putting their bodies on the line doing this work and uh, shuttling people into the past, um, are wrecking their bodies in doing so. Um, because apparently the, the main reason why people are leaving is because of the time that they're in, which is definitely the future, I think it's like 2064 or, or 2364, something like that, it's, it's pretty much well into the future. It's not great there. Things are not good. So people are escaping to the, to the past you know, to get away from that and those who have the money to do so. And apparently these people that work for the syndicate are paying off debts. Um, and um, as with any kind of slummy job like that, apparently things keep happening to where they can't pay off the debts because something keeps breaking or whatever the case may be. It's an interesting pre uh, premise. Uh, these couple of guys get the, that works for this company end up getting a plan to um, do something for themselves, let's say. Uh, in, in in relation to what I've just said, but things don't go the way they were starting to plan it. Um, and someone else also had an idea and ends up uh, hijacking one of the, the transport pods and uh, now um, shenanigans ensued. Let's put it this way. Uh, I'm actually might I'm, I'm considering kind of keeping up with the book. Like I said, the, the, the premise itself is kind of interesting. And I'm kind of at the very least want to see where this is going to go in the next uh, couple of couple of issues. Right. I I, I, I had a chance to, to flip through this and I, it looked interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I just didn't have enough time to squeeze it in today before the show. So I'm definitely going to try to read this this weekend. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, a lot of there's as we have uh, found out in the past on this show, there's a lot of image books or or IDW books or whatever outside of the big two books that have some interesting premises, you know, that that are not in, within the big two. Sometimes they hold up, sometimes they don't. We'll see. Uh, and that being the case, that is it for me. So, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we have one click from one of our um, absent uh, hosts, and that is Future State, Gotham number one uh, from Tim. Nice. Yeah, and I think I'm, I think I'm pretty sure about mine. I'm gonna go with Fantastic Four number thirty-two. Damn good pick. I don't blame you for that. Um, I'm kind of. I feel like I kind of want to go with you on that, but also, um, I Black Hat was actually pretty good, but also I'm thinking I'm actually going to go with Silk. Silk number three. Nice. Because I enjoyed, it. especially weirdly enough, is for that that banter that that one part with uh with uh with her and and Jonah, mm-hmm. like the rest of that is what it is, and the, and the book is definitely fun, uh, but um, yeah, that that part kind of was like, oh, that was that was cute, and that folks are our clicks of the week, not a bad one in the pot. So now we're going to go on to the news section. Um, luckily, it's not that much as not as much news as we've had uh, in the past. But we're going to start off with the cinematic news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night. Here's a curveball. Our first ad read of the night is for Audible, folks. You can get a free 30-day trial and the welcome kit. Um, the uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and the 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash comic book chronicles. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Um, I can definitely recommend one audiobook, and that is Becoming by Michelle Obama. I'm starting to wonder if I need to um, get the audiobook for um, A Promised Land, the first half of President Obama's memoirs of his time in the White House, because I haven't had a chance to, to circle back and finish the book. I am essentially halfway through it. Um, it would be nice to listen to and read it to me the same way uh, uh, Michelle Obama read her book to me. That was kind of fun. And also, um, I would say, uh, you know, I'm wondering if it would be fun to listen to, uh, I'm I'm trying to find a a book that's on my reading list, but a lot of the stuff that I have is um, nonfiction stuff, political stuff. You know, I wonder if maybe I need to uh, uh, expand my audio book reading, but it's definitely worth uh, checking out to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com forward slash comic book chronicles again that's audibletrial.com forward slash comic book chronicles for your free audiobook i feel like we so yeah you definitely did throw me curveball curveball on that one because we totally didn't have that one um i mean we have it but we didn't we, we don't normally bring that one up so it didn't have it ready 
But I was thinking, I feel like remember when we when we were doing these, we had um, or someone would have a recommendation that was kind of comic book based. And if I'm not mistaken, um, that Sean Howe book, the the Marvel was it the, the Marvel way? Mm-hmm. I believe that is also on uh, Audible, and that would be uh, um, from what I remember reading. Part of it was a pretty good book. Mm, I should def that is definitely a book I should finish. Uh, also, Ready Player Player One and Two is on there if you were so inclined. But anyway, that's that. Uh, maybe next time we'll probably remember that. Uh, going into I was about this. to say that Mar- unfortunately the Marvel Way book is not. I just I just did a search oh, on Audible and it's not. Yeah, it's not available on on, on Audible. Oh, boo! Because I remember it was. Um, oh no, it is. No, no, no. You know what it is? The Sean Howe book is Marvel Comics: The Untold Story. There we go. That's why I knew I was messing up the name. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. If you're seeing that tweet out that I'm pointing to, uh, don't worry about that. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh. Now we're gonna start off with the news with uh, the cinematic news as we do over the time about this time. With Tom Welling wants to play Superman opposite Robin Pat- Robert Pattinson's Batman. Uh, Tom Welling, you know, is the star of Smallville. Um, so has stated that <laughs> he would love to join. He would wait. Has stated that he would love to join. Return to the uh, this is the sentence that's in the article. This is not me stuttering over this to the DC universe as Superman. That was a weirdly. Um, done sentence uh ideally playing opposite robert pattinson's dark knight set to debut in uh, matt reeves the batman in an interview with el mundo geek um whatever side of this uh welling mentioned that he would be game to cameo as the dc superhero on cw's the flash at some point uh the actor also stated that he would also jump at the opportunity to play his clark kent role uh alongside pattinson's bruce wayne because of course he would I mean, at this point, we'll be a little older, uh, Clark Kent, but sure, why not? I guess. Next up. How old is he in real life? Um, I don't know. I mean, granted, he was like he was young-ish. I mean, he was young when that happened. Hold on, let's find out. Exactly to the to the Google's folks to the Google. He's oh wow, he's younger than us. He's forty-four. Yeah, look at that. Huh. Look at that. And you know what's funny? He's actually, you know what? It's just one of those things that you don't realize because he's not in the suit. He's six foot three. He's actually like a good height for Superman. Right. So, huh, go figure. You know, like if you, put, if you packed on the muscle, you know, right. I mean, obviously they'll probably put him in a muscle suit, but he's actually got the height to pull it off. Right, right. So that's, um, that's interesting. I did not know that. I didn't know uh, for some strange reason I felt like he was might have been older than us because obviously it was a series W show and they have older people playing a young person. So exactly. it's not outside exactly. the realm of possibility that couldn't have been the case. Exactly, but we were probably contemporary, you know, slightly contemporary with him when he was on Smallville. So that is also true. So next but, up, anyway, next up. So some photos reveal the first look at the Titans television show's Arkham Asylum set. Um, that's going to be central to season three's plot involving Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow. Um, it was posted on Twitter. Uh, Toronto Filming provided a preview of the Arkham Asylum set. Uh, they said uh, they found the Arkham Asylum in uh, Guelph at the old prison. 
The first look at this iconic Gotham location, the tweet reads, the accompanying pictures illustrate the Arkham Asylum front gate, signs depicting the hospital's logo, and some heavy-duty vehicles. Okay. The Titans crew is using the Guelph Correctional Facility outside of Toronto as its Arkham. The building was originally constructed in the early 1900s, not unlike Gotham's Asylum. And um, Titans is scheduled to shoot in Ontario through June with no premiere date set yet for the third season. Hmm. No surprise. (laughs) Toronto-based filming. Uh, I mean, uh, Mm. Canadian-based filming. Uh, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, and Retaliation land a 4K Ultra HD two-disc Blu-ray set. Uh, the set is going to be dropping from Paramount Pictures on July 20th, apparently. Why? Well, I mean... Uh, it's going to have all the bells and whistles that you would expect for, for 4K Ultra Blue Day. I don't think either one of those films are worth it. I'm going to be honest. But also, shout out to Adrian Pelicki, who's in <laughs> who's in retaliation, at the very least. Gotcha. And we just spoke about uh, uh, John Wick. There you go. The tie, folks. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. I guess this is ahead of that Snake Eyes movie that's uh, that's happening um, uh, at the near the end of this year. I guess that makes some sense. Right. Next up. Next up. So you and McGregor might not be the only Star Wars character swinging a lightsaber in the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. Actor Moses Ingram posted a video on her Instagram page. Um, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. circling back to Silk, sure. I thought it was hysterically funny that Maureen Gu used the actual names of the social media platform yes. Yes. in the story. I was like, whoa, she actually dropped the, in, you know, the, the uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram in there? Mm-hmm. They used like a fake Marvel name for it? Right. I was just surprised. I'm like, yeah, did they same here. Put that slide, or they just decided to just like say screw it. That's probably more the case. Yeah, probably. But anyway, I thought I thought it was funny. Um, so getting back to this story, actor Moses Ingram posted a video on her Instagram page, which shows her going through some rigorous lightsaber training, set to the tune of "Future's Life Is Good." Ingram can be. <laughs> Ingram can be seen in the dark swinging a blue bladed saber across and behind her body with her video sporting the tagline, may the fourth be with you. Okay. Right. So we still the... don't know who, uh, we don't know the identity of her character and possible force affiliation. Correct. If that saber she's holding is in the indication could be light side, but we still don't know that because that could just be for the effect because she's working in the dark. Right. Um, and she could, she could actually go both. She could uh, be splitting. Maybe she's light in one way and then goes dark. Something like, we don't know. We don't know. But regardless, that is, it was a cool thing to see. Um, next up though, and yes, um, well, we talked about May Fourth already, so last week's show. Uh, young Finnick Shand fully revealed in new Star Wars: The Bad Batch promo image. Uh, Finnick Shand makes her return to Star Wars in The Bad Batch. And fans now finally now have a better look at her animated self. Thanks to Reddit, a promo image of Shand without her helmet has been revealed. Uh, Shand was first brought. We know where when Finnick Shand came to. Only people have watched The Mandalorian. 
Um, and where she is now at the end of uh, season two of Mandalorian. But this is a younger Phoenix Shand. And uh, if you're watching the video, you can see uh, a uh, picture of her right there. Has she, I know this is probably slightly spoiled. Has she shown up on the show yet? Who? Phoenix. Of course. Okay. No, I'm just you know because I haven't. I you have been watching it and I have not yet. So. Well, I mean, outside of the Mandalorian, you mean? I mean, has she shown up in the Bad Batch? I, I mean. Oh, she's supposed to. Not yet. Oh, she hasn't yet. Okay, gotcha. She's um, supposed to. Not. So I'm assuming this might be is is upcoming in the next issue or next episode too, which is actually um, oh, well, as of I'll this recording say. tomorrow, yeah, hours from now. So, next up, next up. So Michael B. Jordan saved himself some angst and trouble um, when he actually uh, bombed his audition for Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So saved he recalls bombing his audition for uh, that was my editorializing. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan recalls bombing in his audition for Star Wars The Force Awakens because he just couldn't connect to the material. He, he remembers that um, as his worst audition to date, while speaking with Variety about his audition, uh, he thinks it's because he couldn't wrap his brain around some of these sides because, you know, when you're reading for these high-level projects, there's never really any specificity in the sides. Everything's super vague. Everything is in secret. He continued reading through. He just couldn't connect it. He definitely bombed that one for sure. I think that was a, uh, a landmine you dodged there, Michael B. Jordan, in my personal opinion. Uh, mm, although you also hit one with Fantastic Four, which was same year uh, that you played, uh, you know, that was in December in 2015 when you played Johnny Storm. So, you know, you dodge one landmine and hit another dude. Or some would say that he's very much not that great of an actor. Let's go ahead and say, um, you know, listen, he wasn't bad as he wasn't bad as Adonis Creed. He was. That was also 2015, and he did well in that. True, but it's also a specific type of stuff that you put him in, and he'll be all right in. Exactly. Um, some would argue for or against Killmonger, but it feels like he also was playing Creed at that point, uh, to to an extent, of course. Um, and also, if you if anybody has watched that uh, Without Remorse, uh, uh, Amazon, Tom Clancy joint. Oof. Really, it's, I haven't tried it yet. I'm I'm going to say it's not a terrible movie, but it's not great, and okay. I feel like it was in service of something that didn't necessarily need to happen. I mean, didn't necessarily need to happen that way. Got it, got it, got it. And I also it's, understand, so I was... I've, I was, I've I, been neck deep in my uh, my Dragon Ball binge, so right. I haven't had a chance to really check out, you know, much else other than, like, Bad Batch. Right, and apparently it's a part of a two-film two, uh, two film deal, which, okay. given given what happens, uh, and there, I will say this, so you, so you, if you do happen to watch it, there is a mid-credit scene. Got it. Thanks for the tip. Yep. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. So, yeah, and that, that, that pretty much sets up the next movie. All right. Next up for you. Yay! Speaking of Michael B., uh, Michael B. Jordan talks Black Panther 2. Um, let's see. He's, 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 uh... Oh, Michael B. Jordan has uh, talked about Black Panther 2 and reacted to the reveal that the sequel is, will be officially titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, quote unquote, nice, a good ring to it. I like that. Okay, uh, I think it's great. Marvel does great work, amazing work. Cut, 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 cut. Like down this a little bit. He pr 
pretty much talks about Chadwick uh, and Ryan Coogler and basically says that um, uh, if anybody can figure it out, it's Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige and their wonderful producers over there is going to figure it out, figure out a way to do it. And on that note, uh, next up. So next up, so, you know, as, 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 as we've been saying, uh, Black Panther 2 is going to further explore the world of Wakanda and its ensemble of characters. So more plot details about the movie have been shared as it, as it gets ready to begin filming. So um, we have a first synopsis of the, uh, of the movie, which uh, gives us an idea of what it's going to explore, um, which is uh, it's going to continue to explore the incomparable world of Wakanda and it goes on to reiterate that the movie will focus on the characters that surrounded T'Challa in the first movie, giving all of the rich and varied characters introduced in the first film more to do in the sequel. The sequel is written and directed by Ryan Coogler, who is behind the first Black Panther. So basically it sounds like it's going to be World of Wakanda, like like uh, people have speculated they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, even though that uh, series died way too soon. Maybe they'll bring it back. Who knows? Next up, though, um, Black Panther's Lupita Nyong'o shared the funny Wakanda Forever video. Um, earlier this week, uh, Marvel announced a bunch of release dates for the upcoming slates of movies. We talked about some of those last week, including Black uh, Panther Wakanda Forever, which will serve as a follow-up to the end of Black Panther. Duh. So, bu- 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 skip to... Uh, one such actor in the movie will be Lupita Nyong'o, of course, returning as Nakia. And this week, Nyong'o took to Twitter to share a hilarious Wakanda Forever video, um, which is linked to this article. And I will not click on, although I love me some uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, it was kind of cute, actually. I, I yeah. What you do? It's it's helium based. Is that the 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 joke? I believe that is the case. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. If I remember, yes, and also hashtag helium high. So yes. Next up. Next up. So Marvel released six new character posters for Black Widow with the best look yet at the main cast. There's a poster for the villain Taskmaster as well as Natasha's found family played by Florence Pugh, Rachel Weiss, and David Harbour. You can check out the new posters on the website that is being shared by Roddy Cat. Interestingly enough, um, the actor's name is listed above the characters, except for Taskmaster. Right. Although, I'm kind of, kind of curious. So there is another poster of, who, who is this, O.T.? Fang Benno. Mm-hmm. We know that's not the Taskmaster's name, but I'm like, who is this person? I forget. I, I, I we've seen we've seen in the uh, synopses. I forget who that character is supposed to be. Gotcha. But yeah, but we definitely know Tony Masters is showing up and one of the, uh, uh, the Taskmaster is showing up. So unless they're going to change his name, that we make it kind of messed up. Um, As a, yeah, it's not going to be Anthony, but Antonia. Right. Or I mean, that could very well be the case because yeah, because we don't we don't know. Mm-hmm. If if um if the person is going to be male or female behind the the thing, behind the suit, behind the armor, also, um which is the weird the second time uh Rachel Vice has shown up or has come up this past week because I've been and I may have said this last week, been wanting to watch the Mummy 
so that's okay. kind of it's kind of weird i don't know anyway next up um Venom. Oh, yeah. So that was a new Venom trailer this week, folks. Uh, Eddie Brock and his symbiote uh, companion. Oh, Lord. Not the Eminem voice. Are back in just as weird as before in the first trailer for Venom Let There Be Carnage. Um, along with our hero, the teaser gives us our first look at Carnage, Venom's red symbiote counterpart, who's hell-bent on causing chaos and destruction. Um, I, if I'm not... You've seen Venom, right? The first... Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the awful... Um... Uh, eating people, yeah, yeah. So you basically, I think, was it was there like an incredible scene where Cletus, Cletus Cassidy showed up or something? Yeah, Corcomundo. Yeah. So I haven't seen it, but I think I do remember them somebody mentioning that. So yeah, uh, now apparently this uh, trailer puts a little bit more light on Cletus, uh, um, Woody Harrison's Cletus Cassidy, who's basically Woody Harrison, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, so you uh, watched the trailer, right? No, actually, I uh, didn't. No, I, didn't I care mean, to. it wasn't terrible. Yeah, but no, I saw another article that pretty much said that there, there was a little bit more focus on um on his character. Yeah. So definitely so, definitely so. Like I said, it was terrible. It just it, that's what it was. Yeah, I, you know, you know how I feel about this. I don't care about this. <laughs> Listen, I saw. I got shanghaied into watching the first movie in the theaters by my. Uh, my my cousin's kids, they were just like, you know, Uncle David, we want to see it. You know, mm-hmm. come come with us. I'm like, fine. Yeah, and and sure. And I'm probably, if my nephew was still of age, he'd have been like, probably wouldn't do that if he was around. Yeah. Although I'd have been like, no, let's see if we can bootleg this because we are not going to the uh, theaters. Are you crazy? We in a panorama. Next up, though. <laughs> Next up. Oh, so here's some news that I was disappointed to hear, but I understood mm-hmm. because it seems like I was wrong when I told Roddy Cat the contrary, which is that Hulu's Modoc occupies its own dimension in Marvel's multiverse. So, um, so unlike the Disney Plus shows, this is going to not be set in the MCU. Rather, uh, Modoc co-showrunner Jordan Blum says it occupies its very own place in the Marvel multiverse. And he even got to pick its de- its designation. So, um, you know, he uses the Harley Quinn animated show as a good example of not being completely connected to the um, uh, the universe. And uh, he actually has the designation as um, also the mainline films as well as all of the live action Disney Plus shows take place in the MCU designated as Earth 199999 and uh, let's see the Modoc oh oh my goodness the Modoc show appears uh, uh, oh listen to this mm-hmm. so according to this article um Hulu's Runaways is actually set on Earth 199999. The 123451. Four. I'm just counting, y'all, because it yeah. could be six and I'll be off, right? right. So, so it looks like Runaways is in the mainstream MCU. Hellstrom takes place, uh, which I don't think either of us actually watched. Nope. Um, uh, takes place on another Earth. And uh, Modoc is set on Earth one two two six, far away from the MCU. Okay, right. And shout out to Common and Sadax. Right, <laughs> hip hop heads. 
would probably mm-hmm. catch that at some point. Um, but yeah, I I thought that was I, well, it was also cute because apparently uh, uh this um because he got the to designate the the multiverse and it's a reference to his son's birthday, so that's actually that's kind of cute. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't um. I don't think I recall the, whether the, the the rest of the shows were um, in the same universe or not, or at least the the Hulu stuff. Anyway, right. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, I, I still yeah. want to catch. I still want to do Runaways, and I guess this would give me a reason to uh, get Hulu for this and Runaways. I liked Runaways. Yeah, I know you because I remember you saying about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I was kind of curious about that one. So maybe it's worth getting Hulu again for that. We'll see. Next up, Space Jam 2 has officially wrapped, uh, confirms Animator. Um, Industrial Light and Magic Animation Supervisor Kevin Martell has confirmed that post-production on the long-awaited Space Jam, A New Legacy, has been completed. Uh, A follow-up to, you know what this is, I don't know why they do that, but (laughs) I know it's for people who who probably don't know. Um... I don't think there's anything else to say, so... Yeah, uh, there's um other people in the cast. We already kind of know who's uh that who that is, and it's still on task to come out in July. So, cool. Next up. Alrighty. So next up, so a social media account for the boys TV show teased fans for when they can expect an announcement, just an announcement of season three's premiere date. Uh, the boys' official Twitter account quote tweeted a post from the MTV Movie and TV Awards account. Um, you know, the response from the boys' page was a sarcastic "When is season three in the crazy up and down uh, cap and 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 lowercase uppercase and lowercase uh, spelling," which mocks the show's fan base and their desire for the upcoming season. Yay! Um, I know you said you watched that. I said it's not bad. I, you know, it's 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I get around to it. I don't know. I feel I feel like in, Invincible is kind of filling that hole, or it did fill that hole, even though that was, you know, it's a different hole. It's definitely different. <laughs> it's a different. Listen, it's it's definitely different. So I think it's worth watching, and because it's a limited series, because it's not that long, I think you can actually make your way through it relatively quickly. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Dragon Ball Super's new movie will feature a rig- an original story by, I believe, Akira, Akira Toriyama. Yes. Yes. That is good news for someone who has been doing the canon watch. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Brawley, wait, yeah, Dragon Ball Super Brawley brought the anime's uh, run to an end a couple of years ago, and we talked about this before the show, so y'all were not privy to that conversation. Right, it's still the movie I need to watch. And I also just realized that I haven't been recording this whole freaking time. So that's awesome. Oh, no! That's fine. I can get the audio from this on YouTube. Um, I know I forgot something. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a little bit inside baseball, folks. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Making matters tougher, Dragon Ball Super's manga has been taking the series uh, story far beyond where the anime came to an end. Luckily, it won't have much. Won't be much longer until we see something new from the Dragon Ball Super anime, as the franchise will be returning with a brand new feature film next year. 
announced during a special Goku Day celebration in Japan, Toei uh, Animation has officially announced the next Dragon Ball Super movie will be releasing in 2022. Uh, details are scarce about what this new movie will be about, but uh, Toei Animation has confirmed via press release that the movie will con- feature an original story, as said, character designs, and even a screenplay sh- uh, straight from original series creator Akira Toriyama. And that so, is good news the for around. the canon watchers. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it, it'll be the second Dragon Ball Super um, uh, film because the first one was the aforementioned uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly. And I don't know if sometimes I slip in to say Brawley because that was when I when I first saw that you would say Brawley all the time before being corrected on it. Gotcha. Um, but sometimes it's still slip in. I'm so, still so new at it. I wasn't sure. I mean, I've always heard Brawley, but mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't sure if I was wrong. Right. Yeah. I had never heard of it being said out loud until probably I saw the first Brawley movie, and even then I was like, okay, I'm probably not gonna remember that. <laughs> Um, Did you watch the Broly movie in sub or dub? Dub. Gotcha. Because um, at that point, like we like we talked about, like I had been so used to to, to the dub at that point, it's like, eh. Um, I still haven't seen the rest of those old movies, although even though they're at this point, whatever canonized they they, they may or may not be at this point, yeah, you know, like because I hadn't seen Bio or um, is it Bio Broly? There's another one, but um, regardless. And the one that I think, the, the, I think Bio Brawler is the one that pretty much makes this one, well, that and going into Super makes these canon. Gotcha. As opposed to all those other ones who, yeah. Did I, I don't know if I showed you that video, uh, but I'll show you after the thing. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, about the whether these the movies are canon or not. Okay. Yeah, uh, remind me after the show. Anyway, next up, though. Next up, so in great, great Woo! news, former yes. guest of the podcast, of the comic book chronicles one sanford green co-creator of bitter root oscar winner regina king is set to direct bitter root adaptation of the image comic series for legendary legendary has closed a deal for regina king to direct and produce the feature adaptation of bitter root the acclaimed image comic series created by David F. Walker and Sanford Green and indie veteran Chuck Brown. King will also produce with Arena King via their Royal Ties banner alongside Ryan Coogler, Zinzi Coogler, and Sev Ohanian of Proximity Media. Walker, Green, Brown, and Drapito Media's Sean Owolo will executive produce. Brian Edward Hill is currently rewriting the draft that is another former mm-hmm. guest of the comic book chronicle. So yep. we are keeping it in house. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Sanford Green, hometown uh hometown feller, to me anyway. Um and yeah, like the former guest of the show and Brian Edward Hill. That was I still remember that one because that dude <laughs> that dude had yeah, some things to he had say. Yeah, a lot of things to say. <laughs> he had a lot of things to say, and we definitely are remiss in not inviting him back because he was definitely ready to come back on the show at any time. Although I, he might be very busy at the moment with rewriting a draft of the script. Well, that, and I think he still do. He might be still be doing Titans and whatever else. Like, cause he's yeah, he's been definitely doing a lot of um um uh, um 
not cinematic work, but a lot of shows and whatnot, or a few shows, because uh, I think he was a part of Titans, and I think at that time he was either starting to or going to be working on Titans. I think it might have been working on Titans at the time, but regardless. Oh, he was already, yeah, he yeah. Was, he was already, they had already done the first season. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and, and, and I remember I remember the conversation being like, what, you never read the, the, the Wolfman Perez Titans? Right. <laughs> I, I definitely was. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I was in shock to the point where I didn't know what else to say. Right. I was like, am I hanging up on this call now? What? <laughs> no, nah, so, it, it was a. I, I would have to fish that out to, from the archives because uh, I'm pretty sure it's back there somewhere. But um, that one and the Sanford Green one, because those were that was also a trip. Because I think that was right. Might have been right before. Was that before Bitterroot? No, it was before. I think that was before Iron Man and uh, I mean Iron Fist and uh, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Because right. he couldn't say anything about that, I remember. And then, like a couple of uh, like a week or two later, Correct. he um, the, it was announced. Correct. Correct. So, but definitely, if you haven't had a chance to read Bitter Root, uh, you definitely should, if right. you are we've so inclined. Lucky, yeah, I was about to add. No, we've been lucky to have developed a good relationship with Sanford Green. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back when we could actually go to comic book conventions. Yeah. Um, you know, he made it up to New York often, and uh, I made it. I made it a point of saying hello. So right. we definitely have. You know, even though he hasn't been a guest in a while, we definitely have kept in touch with him and uh, maintained a relationship. So you right. know, hats and, off to him. Very happy for him. Right, and I would see him at uh, Heroes Con, which is the uh, the the closest, um, the big closest uh, con to me. And I would definitely go holler at his table and get some stuff and talk to him for a second, at the very least, a second. And another thing, I think he's still teaching over at Benedict, which is a local college here, a local HBCU college here. I believe he still is. I think so. Yeah. So, shout out to all of them. Anyway, next up. This is you. Yes, it is. We should try to get David F. Walker on the show, because he would be dope uh, to talk to. But I know they're all busy at this point, as you said. Anyway, uh, Fast and Furious 9's magnet plane stunt was dreamed up by a nine-year-old. Because of course it was. Yeah. And as I said... uh, Right. And as I said on Discord... That would make a whole lot of sense for pretty much half of the series. Anyway, uh, Fast, and, Fast and Furious 9 director Justin Lin has revealed that his young son came up with the idea for the upcoming movie's uh, hilariously outlandish magnet plane stunt. Seen in the first F9 trailer, the magnet planes uh, scene is clearly being billed as one of the movie's showpiece stunts. With a flying, with a car flying off of the cliff being picked up in midair by a plane equipped with a gigantic magnet. Uh, in an interview with Empire, Lynn says that the stunt came into being when he brought his eight or nine-year-old son, Okwe, uh, to a meeting in London. Which is, I know this is a thing people mostly never ever do, or rarely ever do, but, you know, I guess a shout out to, for whatever reason, <laughs> got him into doing that. Um, let's see, quote-unquote... We were talking about the ravine set piece, and I said, all right, so here's Roman and Tej. Uh, Jacob needs to be on the side. How did he get there? Um, and Okoye just picked it up and pitched the idea of the plane and everything. After spending hundreds of hours of planning, I guess he was paying attention, and he understood the characters. Because it definitely takes a whole lot to understand the characters in a Fast the Fury movie. Okay. All right. I mean, you know... Uh... I love the series. You know I do. And you do too. Oh, I know this, but I'm just saying. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. 
Exactly. <laughs> Next up. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is going to be something. Next up. All right. So uh, apparently you need to grab your knee pads and bike helmet as the CW is bringing back Legends of the Hidden Temple, but for adult competitors this time. So if you missed out on getting to play as a kid, you're in luck. The rules look to be the same as you're part of a team trying to solve the mystery and find the treasure, getting help and clues from the mysterious entity Olmec. So it is a show... And this, and while the rules and teams remain the same, the, the entire show is going to be taken out of the studio into a man-made jungle and scaled up with tougher challenges, uh, but with much bigger prizes on the line. Okay. Hmm. So this has nothing to do with the, uh, with any kind of comic book related, but I thought this was fun. And for those who are of a certain vintage who, who uh, know of that show, and I know some people who are, because <laughs> people were kind of excited. Really, I'm, you know, you know what, uh, you know what the standard response is when, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of nod my head and, you know, yes, who? Mm-hmm. So, and apparently there was or is a Legend of the Hidden Temple movie. Okay, great. Next up, um, wait, is this me? This is you? No, oh, you. This is you. I did the the Hidden Temple. Okay, I'm lost. Um, it's a- I know. Uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation debuts uh, first look. So Netflix and Netflix, and I'm going to assume that it was supposed to be Kevin Smith that they neglected to put uh, editing, folks. Editing goes a long way in these articles. Uh, I know you're trying to get stuff out fast, but calm down. But anyway, Netflix and, let's say, Kevin Smith has debuted the first look of the new Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation original animated series. As a part of Netflix's greater uh, expansion into the animation has come a string of original projects produced through studios like Power Horse Animation. That feels like a very tortured sentence. Um, or maybe I read that wrong. I don't know. I'm going to say it's tortured. Following in the footsteps of uh, series such as Castlevania Blood of Zeus and Sesmanos. By the way, Castlevania Season 4 is out, I believe, at this point. Uh, you should go check it out if you are so inclined. I cannot wait to watch it. Uh, let's see. Masters of the Universe Revelation will be showing off a much different version of the human mythos than fans might have ever expected. Uh, and making things more enticing is the fact that Kevin Smith serves as showrunner for this big update. This is the article's uh, writing, not mine. Following Smith's, uh, Smith's teasing earlier this month uh, that we would see... Okay, I'm not going to read this in month. This This article is rife um but basically uh yeah you can see pictures of um shots of um the characters in this article if you are so inclined this actually kind of looks like that um what that last reboot they did i don't know if you remember it or not like the art style kind of sort of looks like that to a point but i don't know either way oh oh, oh, you mean the, the the last reboot of masters i gotcha right yeah 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 uh, although, um, unlike that one, yeah, like Adam's kind of small, and they didn't keep, and and you know, in this case, He Man is kind of as bulky as you would think he would should be, as opposed to that particular version. Uh, but anyway, we are going to go into the comic book news. We're transitioning over, folks. 
Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice. Lego Star Wars The Bad Batch Attack Shuttle is up for pre-order. Uh, the set releases on August 1st. It is comprised of 969 pieces <laughs> and has a list price of 100 bucks, 99.99. Uh, and uh, if you go to the show notes and if you are so inclined, you can check out um, you can check out shots uh, uh, pictures from said uh, from said set. So cool. Next up. Okay, so uh, Star Wars The Old Republic recently released its 6.3 update, The Dark Descent, and it's an excellent addition that adds some longevity to the expansive game, adding in a new Flashpoint, which continues the ongoing narrative, a new player versus player season, and a new galactic season system that offers rewards based on weekly and daily challenge completions. The Dark Descent gives players even more reason to enjoy Star Wars The Old Republic. Okay. Um, I've been debating about going back to that, the, the, that, um, MMO, because I hadn't played in so long. I almost did for Star Wars Day, but it didn't happen. Did we talk about suicide rating? I think we did, didn't we? Whether it got an R rating? Uh, no, we didn't. Okay, well, guess what? Uh, Suicide Squad lands the R rating for his graphic nudity and gore, so that way we don't have to talk about it next week. Next up, uh, <laughs> though... <laughs> Uh, a first look at Rock Loves, uh, not to be confused with, well, never mind, no one would get that joke except for maybe one per, one or two people in the chat. Uh, first look at Rock Loves' new Doctor Strange collection. In an exclusive reveal with IGN, Rock Love has announced their newest Marvel collection, Doctor Strange. The collaboration with Marvel consists of four pieces with accurate representation from Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, speaking with IGN, Rocklove CEO and designer Allison uh, Semino uh, shared the historical and modern inspiration for the newest collection, how it differs from past Marvel collaborations, and what they have uh, in the works for future Marvel pieces. So if you're watching the video, you can check out um, the pieces here, which includes a spell spangle, spell hoop earrings, uh, rotating spell medium and a spell spinner ring, which I guess is supposed to be the um, the sling ring. Right. Which doesn't necessarily look like the sling, so the sling ring. But hey, I cool. Wonder if this is going to be a very. This is going to be something that's developed for the next movie. Maybe, possibly. Who knows? Um, I do not believe this article says as much, but we'll find out. Well yeah, I was about to say the you know because obviously a lot of this stuff is uh, based on, you know because Rock Love definitely has a, a history of doing um, uh, jewelry that's based on stuff from the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that's that's not a new um, concept for them, you know. But uh, you know it's interesting to see that um, uh, that that Marvel has allowed, uh, you know, and and the lady behind Rock Love is oh, Allison Samino. She's super cool. Mm -hmm. I've met her before. Oh, have you? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, she's you know she she's a presence at New York Comic Con, and uh, and and uh, for a time she was personally sending out a lot of the a lot of the products. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, what you call it? So and and she's very and and and. Uh, I think this was before, you know, their production really started to scale up. Mm -hmm. um, if you recall, I ordered um, 
two sets of the uh, Kamoyo beads. I ordered the metal oh, ones. Yes. Uh, um, I gave those at cost to, you know, like, a, you know, I didn't sell them. I just, you know, I gave them at cost to um, uh, my buddy, uh, Dr. Martin Luther Strange, mm-hmm. and bought the glass beads for myself uh, because they came in uh, extra large. So, right. and they're a little lighter. But the, the metal ones are obviously, you know, they don't have like paint that rubs off. The metal ones are really cool. Gotcha. Yeah, I never got, didn't get on that, in on that one when, uh, when those were around. So, which it may or may not be, I don't know, but uh, I don't think so because I think they were like a limited thing. Either way, next up. You got me curious now because now I want to look up on Rock Love to see uh, what's available. Yeah, no, um, right. So, as I look for that, the next story um, is. Chip Zdarsky is writing the Hulk this fall, but is there more to that? Um, he's writing the upcoming Avengers Hulk free comic book day one shot. And uh, that is raising the question of whether or not he's going to take over Marvel's Hulk title after the immortal Hulk run ends at issue number 50. So, you know, this is all speculation at this point, but it does raise uh, questions to think about. Hmm. Zdarsky coming from artist to writer to and I hear you know I mean I think you've spoken about his Daredevil run <clears throat> yeah oh yeah and his uh, Spider-Man run too was pretty good oh yeah I forgot about that yeah that wasn't bad so yeah go for it uh, the Captain America of the Kickapoo Kickapoo tribe is Marvel's latest addition to the Cap Pantheon <clears throat> excuse me Marvel Comics has revealed the third of what will be five new local Captain Americas that will debut during the upcoming monthly uh, five-issue limited series, The United States of Captain America, which celebrates the character's 80th anniversary. Joe Gomez, the Captain America of the Kickapoo tribe, will debut in a backup story by geoscientist and, uh, I apologize for this, Lippin, Apache writer Darcy Little Badger, and Kualipu... Uh, Mi'kmaq, Mi'kwao, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I do not mean to be uh, butchering people's names. Uh, first, uh, let's see, David Cutler also is doing the artistry in August, uh, the United States of Captain America number three. So it says here's a quote, uh, something I love about Joe is his day job. It represents everything he stands for as a hero, Little Badger explains in a Marvel announcement. Uh, see, Joe Gomez is a construction worker, a builder in a world plagued by destruction. Uh, and every time a spaceship crashes into a bridge or a supervillain transforms a whole city block into rubble, people like Joe makes things whole again. Um, part of me wants to mention um, damage control in here, but I don't think that's probably going to be the case here. So, cool. Next up. Oh, those official rock love glass camoyo beads are super expensive on yes, they are. the amazon secondary market they are not offered by rock love anymore so then that makes sense it's been a while since the black Panther movie right and some and they ran it they probably um ran them when it did happen because they know people going to want them that's crazy mm-hmm. but yeah next up though i'm just like i'm glad i have mine yeah. although I definitely, I definitely regret not buying a second metal set I, I kind of wish I had gotten in on it, but at the time, things were things were things. So no, of course, 
but I like the I like the metal set. The, you know, I got the metal set, and I was like, you know what? It's all, it's a little on the tight side mm-hmm. because they only came in small, medium, and large, and they didn't come out with extra large until after. And I regret not buying the extra large mm-hmm. for myself um, in metal. I bought the extra large glass, which is still cool. I still have it on my desk. I wear it from time to time. Sometimes you'll see me on the show wear it, um, but um, I regret not getting the metal. Uh, in extra large so anyway um next up so you did uh the kickapoo tribe Mm -hmm. death and return of superman creator comes to marvel for heroes reborn and to kill sam wilson how crazy claimed writer artist dan jurgens returns to marvel comics as the penciler of heroes reborn marvel double action number one which delves into the past of the Heroes Reborn timeline in which the Avengers never formed and the Squadron Supreme are Earth's mightiest heroes. Okay. So hear me grouse about that when that happens, even though I know it's not, it's not going to be a thing that sticks. Exactly. Uh, John Romita Jr.'s Marvel Return also brings back The Trial of Magneto. Uh, artist John Romita Jr.'s recent announcement, uh, re- recently announced return to Marvel Comics also apparently includes a, a return to one of the stories that helped launch his career with the publisher, The Trial of Magneto. Uh, Marvel has released a teaser featuring art from R- Romita promising the trial that threatens to divide mutant kind, launching in August with the title The Trial of Magneto. Uh, it's unclear what the massive magnetism who is one of the founders of uh, Krakor and currently serves on a quiet council may do to earn a trial. Uh, it, honestly, given how they set up this up, it doesn't won't take much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Krakor only has a few laws, and one of them is don't kill humans. Uh, with a bunch of humans, including some famous ones coming to Krakor's uh, in June's Excuse me. Oh, Hellfire Gala crossover that could spell disaster. And I do believe the next story is probably going to may bear out a little bit more into some possibilities going into that. So next up. Next up. So Klaus Janssen has signed on to illustrate a portion of Marvel Comics' Marauders number 22, which is part of uh, the Hellfire Gala, or at least the post-Hellfire Gala. So Jansen will be joining series writer Gary Duggan and artist Matteo Loli in what will be the series' first issue, very first issue post-Hellfire Gala. Um, The Hellfire Gala may be over, but the flames of Hellfire past come licking at the heels of the Inner Circle, which is part of Marvel's description for Marauders number 22. Cool. Yay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Boop. Marvel introduces a new character, but are they hero or villain? So Marvel has re- uh, revealed promo art for its newest character, Somnus. Uh, illustrated by Luciano Vecchio, or Vecchio, uh, the mysterious character has a silver and black outfit with a cape that appears to be made out of stars. Who was Somnus? Uh, the promo art reads, hinting at a secret history for the character. Uh, though Somnus's affiliation and powers remain a secret, a hint to his history may be in his name. And this article kind of goes into the Roman mythology behind that and the fact that um, Somnus may or may not have ties to two Marvel series, which is uh, the Marvels, which is Kirk Busiek's current run, and uh, Marvel Voices the Pride. Excuse me, Marvel Voices Pride. Uh, which he's going to also show up. So, okay. 
Cool. Next. All right. Marvel Comics has been gearing up for the June 9th debut of Marvel Studios' Loki on Disney+, Plus, with various collections on sale now or soon. But in early May, the publisher Rush solicited another one, a new one, from a very specific time in the God of Mischief's life that could be a hint at what's to come in the television series. So um, several Loki-centric issues from J. Michael Straczynski and Olivier Coipel's Thor run are being collected in a new collected edition uh, titled Loki, Mistress of Mischief. These issues have been reprinted before in various Thor volumes, but this is the first time they're being pulled together in... uh, uh, in, in in a single collection for those looking for Loki. And if I'm not mistaken, this uh, is also coming out, basically coming off of Secret Wars, because I'm pr- almost fairly certain unless uh, Female Loki has come up before that. Oh, that was before. Was it? Before. Okay, because I was thinking... Female I'm... was introduced before Secret Wars, and then they brought her back. Okay, so that part I wasn't sure about, but I'm wondering if they're going to put some of that in there. I kind of doubt it, but because and also leading into a force around that time because i think i'm trying to remember if the a4 series that after uh, secret wars also had uh female loki so maybe some of that's going to be there but this article doesn't necessarily say so and i think there's one out this week actually um there i mean um there may be some sort of Thor, Thor uh, thing out this week that I thought I saw when I was looking at um, uh, looking through comicsology, but I'm not going to look through that right now. So, Star Wars Celebration 2022 will now take place in May. Um, and apparently, so yeah, Star Wars Celebration will now return sooner as expected. Although the next big Star Wars fan event isn't scheduled to happen until 2022, the convention organizers have announced it is moving the dates forward from August to May. So, yeah, which is, so it's usually around Labor Day weekend, um, so May. So the next uh, Star Wars celebration was set to take place around August, uh, yeah, it's like a week before, something like August 18th to 21, but the Anaheim-based event has, uh, that has announced that it can't wait to get fans together again and will now host the event from May 26th to the 29th. Um, that is 2022, not this year. Uh, these new dates will provide fans with more incredible offerings to enjoy at Star Wars Celebration. The organizers uh, wrote on their official website. Also, I'm pretty sure these are organ- organized. Uh, these uh, organizers are probably losing money because of the pandemic. So I'm pretty sure that's probably another reason why they pushed this up. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was another a Star Wars uh, convention. I think D. The D is the the official one. Oh, this is the fan one. Celebration is the fan one. D, I think, is like the Disney one. And that, I don't think there's been any words on whether they're moving that one or not. And I can't remember when that one even comes up. So it doesn't matter. Next up. Next up. Okay. Uh, celebrated author Alyssa Wong is working on a secret project with DC. Uh, many comic fans will recognize Wong as the current writer of Star Wars Dr. Aphra, the current comic book series, and the recent Legend of Shang-Chi one-shot. It's unclear what Wong's secret DC project is. However, she's working with the Batman editorial group, specifically editor Jessica Chen, who oversaw Wong's Grace Troy short story, Family Dinner, in this week's 
DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian superhero celebration drawn by Sean Chen and Norm Rapmund. Okay. Um, what are the odds of Cassandra Kane? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I wonder uh, if it's a Grace Choi story, considering that uh, that technically would probably fall under the Bat uh, office also, because that's a Black Lightning related character. Hmm. Yeah. That is also true. That's a good point. Or maybe it could be Katana. Uh, we don't know. Could um, be. But um, this was a pretty much a um, well. So eight to seven is pretty much already talked about this book, so we don't necessarily have to go into it. Go into it. Uh, the DC Festival of Heroes, um, Asian Super, the Asian Superhero Celebration is out. As again, as Agent Seventy uh, spoke about earlier, it's ten bucks or cheaper if you get it from Comicsology and you're a part of Comicsology Unlimited. But it is out there. So, mm -hmm. uh, if you, if anything, uh, Agent Seventy said about it moved you thusly, then you can go check it out. Next. Or you can pick up Silk and celebrate AAPI Heritage Month just the same. You're um, right. You're right. Very much. The Batman, <laughs> the Batman of Gotham City's Narrows, Clown Hunter, is getting his own solo spotlight this August. Writer Ed Brisson and artist uh, Rosie Campe are working together on Batman Secret Files, Clown Hunter, the third in this new ongoing series of Batman Secret Files. One shots from DC. Okay. Still don't know why this uh, this character and punchline exist, but I don't read Batman books. It doesn't matter. Uh, badge registration date announced for Gen Con 2021. So Gen Con, which is pretty much the board game, um, the big board game convention, uh, announced the dates for badge registration for Gen Con 2021 and that there will be a trade day sponsored by the Alliance Game Distributors. Uh, the new date for the badge registration will be May 23rd, which was postponed from earlier this year. Uh, attendance is capped during uh, due, capped this year due to COVID, obviously, and uh, potential attendees can attempt purchase of a limited number of four-day badges. These badges are likely to sell a lot quick because, you know, space is limited. Uh, there will also be a trade day at Gen Con this year. Um, Alliance Game Distributors uh, will provide a modified schedule and content tracks. And Gen Con will have um, a limited quantity of trade day badges will that will be available on the 23rd for educators, librarians, and retailers. Um, attendees with rolled over 2020 badges will be contacted with in additional information. So sound out they may, may let uh, those folks keep their uh, badge from last year that they didn't get to use. So one of these years, I want to go to Gen Con. Because it's a big joker, and even though that's kind of a far way to go, and I know a couple, of, I know of a couple of people that go there for that, I would probably need to see them. But still, I would be curious to check that out. Then Matt Wayne goes to uh, Gen Con. I think so. Yeah, because I know he's a big um, um, enthusiast. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Wayne. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if uh, at Matt Wayne ninety seven is going to be traveling there this year. Uh, right. I mean. Uh, yeah, for this year, but we'll see. Yeah. Next up. Next up, um, former WWE Tag Team Champions The New Day is returning to comic books in a new limited series produced in partnership with Boom Studios and uh, WWE. Boom has released the first preview of interior pages from the series, 
WWE The New Day Power of Positivity is a two-issue limited series launching in July featuring Kofi Kingston, Big E, and Xavier Woods. The series is written by Evan Narcisse and Austin Walker and illustrated by artist Daniel Bayless. Uh, as a quick note, the fan-favorite trio has held 11 tag team championships in WWE, including the longest reign ever, 483 days. Okay. So this is actually slightly cool because I really don't care about the wrestling part of this angle, and I do know about the the, the New Day, so I guess cool for them than that. Uh, Evan Narcis, um, also a former um, game journalist, he may still do some here and there, I think, uh, now that I think about it, but he also wrote uh, Rise of the Black Panther, a miniseries back in 2018, uh, and I think he wrote something for Marvel Voices. Um, and Austin Walker, also current uh, editor-in-chief of Vice Gaming, um, you know, he's writer, so that's that's actually cool for him because I know of him from the gaming spaces. So that's actually pretty cool. Um, on that case, normally you would hear me grouse about stuff like that because, like, oh yeah, here's another, but now this is actually kind of cool. Um, and I know also both, of the, uh, also big wrestling fans, both the both of them, if I'm not mistaken. I know one of them for certain. Uh, next up though, and some sad news. Uh, comics writer, artist, and essayist Jesse Ham has died. Um, Jesse Ham, uh, whose tips from Jesse Ham's Twitter account helped thousands of burgeoning uh, combo creators passed away on Wednesday, which is weird because I've yeah I have remember seeing. Wait, what? You know what's funny? What's that? I want to add a quick story. Um, uh, what you want to call it to the uh, to the end of the news? Okay. Sure. Um, so yeah, I've seen I've seen this account because I follow because you know I have a, a account where I follow com- uh, common creators or I have a list of where I com- follow common creators and, and uh, Jesse Ham will come up with quite a lot. Um, so that's kind of sad and uh, you know obviously recently. Uh, let's see, his wife Anna Sarling Ham broke the tragic news on her Twitter account uh, that Ham had passed away due to a blood clot in his lungs. Oof. Um, Ham was a member of the Portland-based uh, Helioscope Studio. So apparently, and uh, the rest of the article goes into um, his uh, comic book uh, um, um, works. So, uh, condolences to his family and friends. And I don't think I've ever seen him, uh, and apparently here's a picture of him, because I've never seen him before. Um, it also works. Notice he is, it says that, um, and I think somebody else has said this, uh, his Gumroad, uh, he would do, uh, Twitter. I mean, he would do, um, basically comic book advice on his, um, or tips on his, um, on his, um, Gumroad account. And you can still, if you want to support the, the, the family, you know, because of very costs and other kind of a good mess, you can still do that because that site is still up. And you can go to the article on the in the show notes uh, to check that out. Next up, one moment as I do a little bit of editing to our show notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, newspaper strips celebrated No Pants Day. Instead of giving people the shirt off their back, several comic strips encouraged people to take off their trousers and donate to charity. Twenty-nine strips highlighted No Pants Day the first Friday in May 
The event began as a lark by college students at the University of Texas, but the comics purveyors found a way to make it more meaningful, as reported by the Associated Press. T. Faunier, the comics editor at King Feature Syndicate, said this is a great way to help bring communities together, but also have a little bit of a laugh. Just the idea of No Pants Day, I think, is something that everybody can feel a little bit closer to this year than in previous years. So... What is this exactly? I guess the characters are going without pants in the strips. Yes. Um, and that happened uh, last Friday, not this. Uh, uh, so, so we kind of slightly missed that. But hey, that's kind of cute. I'm pretty sure they in the archives of, um, um, what is it, Go Comics or whatever it is, that they probably still have those strips that are there from those days. So that's cool. Uh, one last piece of note that uh, the piece of... Um, news that uh, Agent 70 put in here. Do you want to go ahead and do this, or you want me to do it? That's your turn. I'm not going to go out of turn. Go ahead. Okay. In honor of Asian Pacific American, and I kind of figured this was going to happen, being the case, but um, uh, Marvel Comics is proud to announce that this summer we'll see the launch of a brand new Marvel Voices one-shot spotlighting some of the most legendary Asian superheroes. Uh, Marvel's Voices Identity Number One is the name is the issue uh, in question. This thrilling issue will take readers across the Marvel universe with a collection of tales written and drawn by new and established Asian creators. Following in the footsteps of the mega popular Marvel's Voices in Digital Voices and Marvel's Voices Legacy, and the upcoming, I'm just going to add Marvel's Voices uh, Pride. Uh, Marvel Voices Identity Number One will continue the tradition of featuring inspiring and uplifting lifting storytelling that truly reflect the world outside your window, quote-unquote. These new stories will celebrate Marvel's ongoing, ever-expanding representation of the vastness of all Asian, Asian-American, and specific island cultures and identities, including South Korea, Chinese, and more. Uh, the Giant Size One-Shot will be packed with action-packed stories told in the mighty Marvel manner. Eisner Award winner uh, Jean Luen Yang continues his groundbreaking work on Shang-Chi, Mythos, and All News Tale uh, with uh, artist Marcus Toh. Uh, also, there's a gener- Generation X uh, story by Christina Strain and artist uh, Jason Liu, uh, who catches up on catches catch up with everyone's favorite mutant mall rat jubilee greg pock takes the secret secret agent jimmy woo on another hair raising uh, mission that will mark the marvel debut of artist Kreese lee um, i actually know Kreese lee oh do you he's new york based you know he was a student he was a student at i believe sva school the school of visual arts oh, cool. um like within the last like six or seven years so i've seen him really develop uh, as an artist over that time oh cool um, also new to Marvel, artist Lin Yoshi uh, joins critically acclaimed Maureen Gu to weave another unpredictable adventure in the sock of silk. Um, plus, an amazing tale starring Miss Marvel, um, that would be uh, Kamala Khan, drawn by uh, Michelle Ahmed, and a bonus story, bonus surprise story that will be announced at a later date. And right. I believe this what is being shown is the cover for uh, this book. So cool. Right. So this is a this is a counterpoint to the DC book, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But what's where DC wins, and it's one of the few times that the few times that DC wins, is that they got their book out during AAPI Heritage Month. Right. Right. 
this is just being announced during AAPI Heritage Month. So right. that's a little bit of a loss on, on Marvel's part when you look at it in that regard. But True. as I said earlier, the worst part about the DC book is that it, it, it basically highlights so many of these minor characters that really have not had too much done with them. But then you look at the cover of the Marvel Voices book. Mm -hmm. Three out of the four have had uh, uh, solo titles. Right. And one of those people on this book, on this, uh, was on the cover of another Marvel Voices book, which had nothing, you know, which had little to do with her. Exactly, exactly. But then, you know, you've got, you know, but you've got, uh, you know, Jimmy Woo, who's uh, all of a sudden become a fan favorite character in the MCU. Mm -hmm. So you know why he's being in included. Yep, yep. And, you know, it, it, it just goes to show that, the, the, you know, the, the character, the, the, the even though there is room for uh, uh, a great amount of room for improvement, there at least is some representation of Asian identity at Marvel, as opposed to you know these background, these literal background characters over at DC. Those are definite, definite shots fired, folks, hmm. uh, at DC. So. Hashtag DC stays losing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, all you all you have to do is look at the, uh, look at this cover. It's like, wait, like literally, you know, uh, one of these characters has a movie coming out. One of these characters has a TV show coming out. One of them has a prominent guest role in several Marvel projects, and uh, the other two are probably in the wings, waiting to waiting to happen. Hmm. I believe there is a Silk show. There, there. I feel like we talked about a Silk show that is um, that they're trying to. Get, exactly, uh, but, but that's what I mean by waiting to happen. Right. Because we know we know Jimmy Woo already exists in the MCU. We know Shang Chi already exists. Shang Chi already exists in the MCU. We're just waiting for it to be released. Right. Same thing with Miss Marvel. Right. Jubilee, whether when 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 and or if ever, however, the X Men end up showing up in the MCU properly, may see her. <laughs> exactly she has been introduced in the fox x-men movie so even if for a brief moment the, the briefest of moments especially yeah her and that psylocke um mm -hmm. for the briefest of moments yes so yeah there you go folks um like i said we we kind of figured this was probably going to happen so and there you go uh, and that is the end of the news section and also in the end of the show. But I wanted to, to call attention to this one little tweet real quick uh, that, um, excuse me, um, that uh, somebody, I wish I could had time to blur that out, but sorry about that. Um, so there's a tweet from Twitter that says, uh, CDC says uh, vaccinated people can stop wearing masks, everyone with more than, th uh, and then everyone with more than three cells, three brain cells say, uh, and then it's uh, a link to a picture, which is a, um, uh, a basically uh, an image from um, uh, was that Captain America: uh, Civil War? I mean, uh, Winter Soldier, I believe, which has Nick Fury saying, "I recognize the council has made a decision, but but given that it's a stupid ass decision, I would make <laughs> yeah. it and ignore it." Yes. No, no, no. That's from Avengers. From, was it from Avengers? That was from Avengers. That was from Avengers because the the stupid ass decision was dropping a nuke on New York. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right. Sure. All right. Bet. Um. But yes. Nevertheless, that is what that's from, and and I'm I'm inclined to agree with this. I'm like, look, folks. 
just, even if you're vaccinated, wear your mask. You can still get it. You can still get COVID even if you're vaccinated. Your chances are lessened. Well, yeah, I was about to say, and unfortunately, you can still spread it. And, and that's exactly. the kicker. And we still don't know how long these uh, this uh, these, um, the, um, these vaccinations are supposed to last because they are saying up to six months. We still there's still been no real confirmation on because data is still being collected. Exactly. The bottom line, data is still being collected on this. So, so don't be stupid. Wash your hands. Or wear your mask. Wash your wash your masks. Um, <laughs> wash your face before and after you wear your mask. Wash mm-hmm. those masks more than once every month. Um, you know. Don't care if they have filters in them. Wash them just weekly if you got to. Um, or have, sure. have After every uh, use, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, that too. Well, I mean, unless you have the disposable, you can kind of double up that way. But, you know, or and or you have multiples of it. You know, you can go through a couple of them before you can before you wash them. Which you should, at this point, have multiple masks. <laughs> you know, that should go without saying. Um... But that being said, like I said, uh, we are at the end of this here fine program, and we have one more ad read. And we've been going a little long, folks, and you know what we're reading. It is Keep Our Podcast Free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc., or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Hoo-ha. Uh, and thank you, you. Uh, each and every one of you fine folks for coming about, whether it was live and uh, on and, um, and while we're recording or after the fact, um, watching the video or the audio or listening to the audio um, after the fact, which um, I forgot to put that out there last, I mean, earlier, but we're going to do that right now. When I say I have been Roddy Cat, you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nation on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. You can find agent underscore 70 right there at uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I don't know. We might we might be able to coax uh, agent 7 into getting some more stuff, maybe in a blog or something, or, you know, maybe we'll we'll bring back the collection and both of us start writing on it again. Who knows? Exactly. Um, or something around about. Uh, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and all those umbrella sites they're in. Uh, you can also, I assume, still find him on Byte, B-Y-T-E, which is the Vine replacement. Um, I know everybody's going to TikTok now, but um, under comic reviews, no vowels. If I find out Dirt's on, on, on TikTok, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do with myself on that one. Um, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris of this ish. You can find him at TMD. Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comfort Chronicles um, um, Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N all one word on Twitter. Um, you can also find him at Comfort Resources CBR.com where he's over there writing his face off. And not that god awful movie. 
Um, yeah, I said it at me. I don't care. Mm. Mission Impossible Two was a way better Hollywood John Woo movie. Don't you forget it. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can find uh, wait, yeah, you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. But honestly, if you're gonna watch John Woo movies, The Killer, uh, Better Tomorrow. Uh, anyone to go back to the little age joints with, with Charlie Young Fat and all them jokers. You, you way better stuff. You will not be so. You will not be um mad at it. And if you are, you don't have any taste. Anyway, you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can join us here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on either uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation, that's youtube.com slash The Click Nation, or twitch.tv slash Chronicles, like some lovely folks that I know did tonight, and thank you. Um, and as always, you know, like I said, the video will be archived on both of those places, and of course, uh, linked to on CSPN.us and all that kind of good jazz, just in case. Uh, audio version should be out about Sunday-ish on the normal. I'm not sure why, but yeah, there you go. So you can have something to end up your weekend with. With us. Um, still no Loki, because we still got another few weeks for that. Probably about a month at this point. So And we and Invincible's over it. So you know what? It's just going to be regular shows from not this thing that wouldn't be regular shows anyway, but it's going to be regular shows. For a little while. Yes, and not the the animated show called Regular Show, even though it's a good show. Um, but with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, friend. Would you believe it's it's Doctor Doom? What's on your? Head?